evening, everyone, and welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 47. On tonight's episode, the boys and special guest host, the cranky lawyer, will give you their first impressions of the new face of Sigmar's empire. So, without any further ado, here are your hosts, David White Tech and Christopher Barnett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 47, David's magical number of Garage Hammer. It's not my magic number, my magic number's nine. I don't know why, I don't know why, I don't know why. That was maybe the most random that you've ever seen. <laughs> 47 is, that's Grant says it's random. We should have to have him call in on the Skype and say, hey, 47's random. Maybe he'll just randomly try us on Skype to, if, just to see if we're recording. Boy, I look forward to that segment. If we had the finite... Really? <laughs> you look forward to that. Hey, that's the cranky lawyer. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in, cranky. Or maybe I should say, oh, well, you're here. Yeah, right back at you. <laughs> uh, boy, I can see how this is going to go today. All right. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, you know, he might just randomly call in. You never, ever know. Boy, that would be or crazy. Skip Stevenson might just call in. Because I'm Skip Stevenson. It's too late. You already forgot it last episode. I didn't forget. you. We didn't even introduce ourselves at all last episode. Usually you say you're Chris Barnett, and then I say I'm Skip Stevenson. You purposely skipped saying I'm Chris Barnett and sang a song, which I usually do, to mess that up. You're going to cry about it? Go ahead and cry if you want to cry about it. I'm going to sue you. That's why Cranky's on the show. For all my zero dollars? (laughs) You got dozens of dollars. That'll double my zero dollars when you pay me your zero dollars. Sweet. (laughs) The infinite probability of zero. So, Christopher, why don't you take a moment and thank our wonderful sponsors? Excellent. Like Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Game Preserve Stores located throughout Indiana. Urza's Den Custom Painting and Sculpting. Battle foam protecting your army. And weird worlds to rain. What's your world? Tell me what in your mind what that sounds like. Um, it's it's supposed to be like one of those fifties weird space outer space lost in space, like a satellite going by. Yeah, oh, like right. one of those really just dopey space. You know what I'm talking about? The old bad fifties sci-fi with the plastic. You mean those rocket. really annoying ones? Yeah. Well, you folks yeah. out there in listener land, pretend that too. <laughs> It's a weird world. That might be the way they communicate. That might be the sound of the alien winds running through the alien terrain. The alien winds. Well, it's not on Earth because it's a weird world. Is an alien wind so what when happens? when aliens with... fart? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Maybe it sounds like that when aliens fart. Maybe that noise makes all the aliens cover up their nose holes. You can find links and information. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Links and information for all of our sponsors, both in the show notes and also on our website, garagehammer.net. And I'm Skip Stevenson. And you're Skip Stevenson. <laughs> I'm going to find a new person to be in episode 50. Episodes 50 through one, 51 through 100. What, like I Sarah will... Purcell? No. The is dead, right? <laughs> I hope so. I don't want anyone suing me. Yeah. That's uh, that's some good thoughts there, Dave. I... <laughs> good thoughts <laughs> with Dave. That is not official legal advice sponsored by the cranky lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I do not approve this message. <laughs> crimey, crimey, crimey. Okay, we have a shout-out sponsor. Um, 
this week's shout out comes from Mark Zelinsky, who actually used our voicemail to send in his shout out, which is just all sorts of awesome. So uh, here it is. Dave, Chris, Mark Zelinsky, how are you? Phoning in my shout out. Hey, we're on our way to go play Warhammer down in Brunswick with the North Coast Gamers Association. So I want to give those guys a shout out. And, uh, of course, uh, keep up the great work. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Empire. Take care, guys. See you at Adepticon. Bye. Okay, that was kind of fantastic. I love getting the voicemails. Cranky couldn't hear the voicemail. The way our stuff is set up, there was no it Cranky. Was it was lovely. <laughs> but see, now, Cranky, you're on the show, but now when you listen to the show, when it comes out, it'll be something new for you. Oh, that's going to be horrible. <laughs> Topher may have a face made for radio, but I have a voice made for silent films. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think your voice is just lovely, Cranky. But, hey, for those of you who might want to do a shout-out or just call in, we got a couple, actually, we have a couple more voicemails later from people who called in with Empire questions and stuff. Uh, please feel free to give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 757-GARAGE-HAMMER-SHOW-6. Uh, Chris, I know you had a couple of things you wanted to say. I do. We had a, an email from John McCarthy who just wanted to remind folks that Invasion Kenosha is uh, still on its uh, early registration. You can do that until the, I believe it's the 30th of April. So if you get online and register early with them, it's $20. Uh, Invasion Kenosha is not until July 14th and 15th this year, so there's still plenty of time to get ready. Right. In Salem, Wisconsin. So check them out at InvasionKenosha.com. And we're planning on being there, are we not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Heather's birthday weekend is, uh, I think, the 7th and 8th this year so uh we'll be doing stuff then so yeah folks we're going to be there if you weren't there last year but you are anywhere near the kenosha wisconsin area it's a it's a one is it the one day warhammer this one's two day it's gonna oh, be 14th and the 15th oh, yeah, nice. the weekend oh that's right he expanded it mm -hmm. i gotta go and look on what's up there um and john will probably come on and tell us more about all the expansion because yet last year was a one day warhammer and 40k tons i mean lunch a really good lunch, actually. Yeah, and breakfast, too. You talk and more breakfast. about the lunch than the, uh, the gaming there, dude. Um, it was, dude, it was, there was food. Let's put it this way. There was, how many, there was like 80 gamers there between the two systems, I think. And there was still plenty of food for both breakfast and lunch. And the whole thing was and there were like leftovers. 15, yeah, it was $15 last year. I'm not year denying for, that there was good food there. I'm just saying that, you know. When you're morbidly obese, a really good lunch may even be more memorable than games that you got your butt kicked on. So... But no, I mean tons of door prizes. They had the raffle going on. They had and when you're relatively poor, fifteen dollars for two meals in a day is pretty good too. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. It was. I'm awesome. thinking, trying to figure out if I can get you know a flight out there because <laughs> you know, if I bring the family in luggage and then feed them all, it may work out. So let's get on to news and rumors then. <laughs> right. Um, not much because Empire just came out, so it's quiet on the on the GW front. Uh, Mantic is still pushing the Vermin. Um, Let's see. Uh, did uh, the Monstrous Arcanum just came out? It, did it come out this week? I believe it was the tenth was the release date. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the mail to me. Oh, is it? I'm going to pick it up at Adepticon. I realized I have the VIG pass, which means I can get into the seller's room an hour earlier than everybody else. Oh, nice. So I'm just going to go before they open, and that, the line couldn't possibly be that long. At that point, so I won't have to wait for three hours. So I'm going to pick it up at, at Adepticon. I think. Cool. I'm excited. Kadai uh, uh, Fireborn. That's the one piece of news I have on the list here. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see the pictures, Cranky? I did. 
Would you, do you see them, Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you guys think? I'm biased. I like them. Do you? Yeah. And I hate them. Mm. Um, I'm want to see it. I want to see it painted. I'm I'm reserving judgment. Um, it's thirty six pounds, so about what fifty five bucks I think for three. For three. Yeah. Um, they're big. The concept I think is amazing. Um, you know, they're what what you, they're demons that have been. They're bound demons, right? They're uh, they're fire demons, and yeah, they've been bound into a, a relatively physical form. Yes, um, and in the now in the in the artist concept sketches, and someone had actually they were I, someone had posted them on our forums too. They had the pictures that, mm-hmm. the, from the thing. It basically looks like they took. Uh, I think I think s- that's the artist uh, picture from Monstrous Arcanum. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's basically a suit of armor with fire coming out of the the neck gape the neck area. Um, there's actually no legs on it. It's like the fire. It's, it's sort of floating on a, on a pillar of fire. Right. It's got fire coming out between the the uh, the greaves and like the gloves. So it's like the top half of a suit of armor, like chaos. You know, chaos do dwarf they, made this. Do armor. they remind either one of you vaguely of sort of flamers? Just sort of the. I, I didn't really get the. the I didn't the really compare them to flamers. Uh, flamers of, take it looks a, like they got flaming robes and these long arms and. Anyway, not to I'm me. Really. Right um, well, flamers I think are on, are on twenty-five mil bases. These are a little bigger than that. Oh, I think they're a lot bigger, aren't they? 50 yeah, mils? yeah, they're yeah. In forty or fifties. Forties or fifties. Uh, my, I had, I just had two issues with it. Uh, one is in it, it, it. I liked the concept art. I don't think it really. Tra- like I said it, and I'm not seeing up it painted. I really would love to see it painted. But when I looked at it, and I looked at it from all the extra angle pictures they showed, it looks like the shoulders were above where the head was. And I know there's fire coming around it, but when you look at where the shoulder pads are, the shoulder pads like start in the middle of the head and go above the head. Uh, so it looks like the head is kind of coming out of the chest, which looked odd to me. Uh, plus, with some of the... It just... I, I don't know... The head being in the middle really kind of threw me off, but I can't really tell where the flame parts are and where other things are. And I think that's part of it is because it's not painted. I think this might be the most polarizing of the Warhammer Forge World stuff we've seen lately. Because especially on Twitter, people are either like, oh, my God, that's amazing or, oh, my God, I hate that. I, I personally like it. think it's more polarizing than the, the Orc Rocks? I'll tell you what, I, uh, I I was one who liked the Orc Rocks, but, I mean, people just kind of, I think a lot of people looked at the Orc Rocks and went, meh. Like, it's, you know, it, it's not bad. It's just so bland compared to what you expect from Forge World that people went, meh. But I know, uh, especially on Twitter, the, uh, when these things came up on the pictures, people were like, hate, or, no, I really like it. Uh, I, I didn't hear any mez in, in the in the mix. What do you like uh, about I'm, it, Christopher? Well, I... For one thing, I mean it's it's a model for my army, so I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's uh, after after years of nothing, anything is great. So outside True. of that, what I like about the model itself is I actually am very interested to attempt to paint it. And uh, you know, for me, sometimes painting can be a chore, but the idea of painting flame sounds like a lot of fun for me. It's an interesting challenge because when you think about a model, normally you are the recesses are the darkest areas, and on flame it's the opposite. Right. So I'm looking forward to reversing my painting style, you know, painting, and then, like, the details, the, the highlights are actually going to be the deepest colors. Right. So to me it sounds like a fun painting exercise, and I think that it could look really good once it looks like flames. Okay. So I think that something is lost without paint on the model. 
Like I said, I definitely am reserving judgment till paint is on the model. I still think in the pictures the head looks like it's coming out of the chest, which bugs the hell out of me. Just because that that that's an odd look. What do you? What, I know you want to jump in, Cranky. What did you want to say? I, I think besides them being Chaos Dwarf models, that <laughs> they're actually pretty good. I don't know what people are complaining about. Um, when you, when you look at the idea that basically it's everything except a couple pieces of armor and maybe an occasional axe is flame. I think it's you know pretty good. I do like, like I said, the concept of that the Chaos Dwarfs took this armor and have barely contained this flame demon in a somewhat human form. It doesn't even have the bottom half of the armor. Right. It's like chest and arms and head. Um, so you do like it, Cranky? Yeah. Okay. Well, you just said you hate it because you were being contradictory to Christopher. I thought you really hated it for a second. Um. Like I said, I do want to see it painted um, because of just, like I said, I mean, I know it's a small thing, but that the positioning of the head looks so bizarre to me. I want to see if maybe it's just with the excess of the flame coming up around the head as well, if that's making it look lower. I really think that thing needs a paint job. I'm surprised there isn't a single picture of it painted since they often, you know, some, oh, I mean, maybe not often, but. It seems like Forge World has a plethora of excellent sculptors, but not too many painters. A lot of their stuff that goes up on the website is just raw. That's true. It wasn't the, the rock was, <laughs> the, the orc rock guy was painted. Of course, that was easy. I guess they just dry brushed the hell out of it. Yeah, but it's, it's rocks. Rocks. They made, they painted rocks to look like rocks. Um, Yeah, like I said, I'm holding off judgment. I, 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 I want to like it. But, I mean, part of it is there's the one that has seems like it's holding a long string of chains or something as a weapon. I think it's a flail, yeah. The flail. And it's like between the flail, the, the links of the flail and the flickering parts of the flames around it, I don't know where stuff starts and stops. Like, I'm really looking at it and I'm having a tough time visualizing it painted. Like, what it would, I mean, I really, that's when I want to see up close and I want to see it painted really bad. I'm kind of hoping that you if they're there at Adepticon, that you pick some up so that I can see them in, like right up close. Depending on how things go, I may very well do that. Excellent. What are you doing, Cranky? What am I doing? Yeah. Uh, a little modeling. Okay. I just heard something sound like you were opening up a piece of gum. So, Cranky, what are you modeling, Cranky? I am... Well, we can wait till the garage... Uh, oh, you know, the manager yeah. section. You're right. Um... Okay, so could I Fireborn? You like it. Cranky really likes it. Uh, Cranky went so far as that he doesn't know what people are complaining about. Good for you, Cranky. Take a strong opinion. Um, and I'm I'm undecided. I'm not going to say I don't like it because there's parts of it. I think the flames, I would look, I would like to paint it. I would tell you that much. The I flames, would really like to the paint flames it, look it. well sculpted. The question, I think, for a lot of folks is, is it what they envisioned when they envisioned a Kadai Fireborn from the fluff? Um I think it kind of follows the description. I didn't picture it that way. I guess I pictured it in more armor, um, having no legs whatsoever, just flying on a on a on a on a on a thing of flame, like you know, hovering on a tail of flame. It, it's really it, like I said when I saw the the artist's impression, the drawing in the Monsters Arcanum. I liked it a lot, so I'm looking forward to seeing if this thing gets painted and, and looks really good. So, all right. Um, is there anything else on news and rumors? There's nothing much on the front here. I, I've got nothing else. I mean, I've heard little, I mean, vague, vague, vague rumors. Someone, I think it was Chris, you even posted on Twitter that he's hearing a uh, high elf book next year. He mentioned that he got that off of uh, Warseer. Mm-hmm. 
And I haven't heard that at all yet. I did. I, in fact, my my connections, which I don't really have any connections, but the the you know the people I talked to were saying that from what they from what we can gather, it's uh, sixth edition in a few months. Then uh, the Chaos Legions book, a couple after that, and then before the end of the year, Warriors of Chaos. Chaos Legions. Yeah, for forty k. Oh, they're gonna oh. they're gonna get the next book. They'll get the Chaos Legions, and then Warriors of Chaos, and then Demons. That's what I'm hearing. Demons early next year. Well, they're due for a book. Well, and I mean, they actually had a book pretty recently compared to others. I know that if if demons get a rewrite, then you're going to see the, the pretty soon the Wood Elf and, and Bretonian people are just going to start throwing themselves off of buildings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're both due. I think. <laughs> but Wood Elves are one of your first armies. They're my second army. I know. Yeah. I'm I'm dying for them to get a new book. I will definitely be picking up the the new models for that and playing some of it uh, for nothing else for the show purposes because I really love that army. Um, however, I would say that I think Demons could really use a rewrite. Um, and plus, with the new sixth edition Warhammer coming out, Demons will get a rewrite and show up on both systems with their rewrite and their new models. Oh, that's true. So, so new demon models. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. All right. Uh, hey, why don't we take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back with the garage manager section. Sounds like a plan. Excellent. All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill, and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your game to the next level with Weird World's Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird World's Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com. What's your world? Check this out. We're back. Back. Back, 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 back. <laughs> That's our thing. It's such a stupid thing. I yell, we're we back. back but now we're back. <laughs> we were someplace else, but now we're back. See, and Cranky's in on it. See, this is fun. I'm surprised nobody put the, in the Replace Christopher contest that he did, which was a really mean contest, by the way, Cranky. I'm just going to stick up for my friend here. I'm surprised nobody tried you to replace you with Cranky. Well, what? I didn't think it w- you didn't think it was mean. Oh, no. I, I, well, I knew you didn't mean it to be mean because you're a good-spirited lawyer, a nice, kind human being, but people thought it was mean. And my well, poor friend Christopher two was... two out of three of us have to be. <laughs> Don't. Oh. Great googly moogly. All right, so... Picking a guy while he's down. Why don't you? <laughs> All right, the garage manager section, folks, as you should know, is brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore. Your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. I love that commercial. All right, so before we get started with our modeling, gaming, and or reading, uh, Cranky, uh, you actually have come on the show because you wanted to talk to people about something. So, oh, I thought I was just supposed to pick on Christopher. <laughs> you do that every oh, day. Why would this yeah. be? Well, that's your job while you're empl- unemployed, right? Yes. 
Um, How much well, do so you pay him for job. that? Hmm? How much do you pay him for that? Big Fed's goose egg dollars. The Christopher Picker honor. Yeah, it, it's a very lucrative line of work. <laughs> Fame, fortune, girls. Well, you know, Are you there's the girls. Lawyer? Yeah. Oh, I love the way you slam Topher. Can you slam? Oh, never mind. Anyway. All right, so Cranky, so what's what's going on? Uh, the I decided uh, this year that I wanted to get involved in uh, a charity event that I think that Christopher has been aware of, and I don't know if he's participated in it in the past or not, but it's called Extra Life. It started out in 2008 um, basically more as a video game-a-thon to raise money for children's hospitals. Uh, specifically the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And last year, I'm not sure how much they raised. Do you remember, Christopher? Actually, I, d- I don't know the numbers. I have no idea. Uh, a good it, friend was of mine over, it was over a million dollars. I don't know if it was over $10 million, but it was over a million dollars that they raised last year. You know what? I know on the D6G they said the total, and I know I know Christopher doesn't have time to listen to the like, He has so little time to listen to podcasts, I know he wouldn't have heard it. But I know it was, it, it was, it was millions of dollars raised for this. Right. And um, you get to game, which is good, too. Uh, basically, on October 20th of this year, there's going to be 24 hours of uh, gaming. Uh, individuals that sign up to participate in this will try to get sponsors that will sponsor them at a rate of at least a dollar an hour or $24. And when you sign up, you can select uh, any one of the Children's Miracle Network hospitals that you want to. So I've chosen Maine Medical here in Portland, Maine, and other people can choose hospitals out in Chicago, and it's international as well. So it seemed like something I really wanted to get involved with because it, uh, Eli, who you guys just said hello to earlier off air, uh, he, when he was eight months old, he got open-heart surgery down in uh, Boston Children's Hospital uh, to repair uh, his heart. Uh, he's fine now. He's got a scar that's going to impress the girls someday. But the what struck me when I was there is that there were families from all over the country that were flown in with their newborn children because their local hospitals didn't have the resources to do this sort of life-saving procedures that they needed. And when I heard about this on the D6 Generation last year, I thought I wanted to get involved with it, and so I formed Team Cranky. And uh, right now, Christopher has joined up uh, to participate as a team member, and Andrew Sherman uh, signed up today as well. Look how beautiful get- this is. A year ago, it was you were either on Team Cranky or Team Topher. Now it's like now team- it's just Team Cranky. Now it yeah. Or- <laughs> 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 team Topher's been destroyed. No, okay. Well, we've no. taken him in to the fold. Oh, we, for a cause like this, I'm in. Count you me know, in. Somebody's got to carry the water and do the laundry for the uniforms and that sort of stuff. Uh, well, I did Another speak. Corn Wolf and Mr. Cranky. I did speak to Heather. And what? now what date did you say this was? The uh, 20th of October, which is a Saturday. So Friday yes. night at midnight, boom, we're in. Or I should say Saturday night at midnight. You know what? That is the weekend before my anniversary. So I was telling her about it, and she said as long as it's not on our anniversary weekend, so I think I, I will be joining Team Cranky as well. Excellent. Uh, it's real easy. You go to extra life, extra-life.org, and you follow the instructions on the uh, website there. It's real easy to uh, I don't follow participate. instructions. You don't own me. Oh, sorry. 
Not until you join the team. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I am your captain. Oh, great. Oh, captain, now, my captain. It, if you don't want to participate uh, in raising money on your own, you can just donate to one of the team members. Uh, or you can uh, sign up to be a, a member of the team and then raise money um, from friends and family, uh, people you can extort on your own. And we can try to uh, raise as much money as possible. And that's sort of what it's all about. Cool. So we raise money as a team, but each member of the team can pick his own hospital. I believe that's true. Were you able to – what did you select for your hospital there, Christopher? Uh, to, uh, the Children's Memorial in Chicago. Well, there you go. That's not the one I chose. So we're, apparently you can do that. There you go. See? Oh, that's right, because the D6G guys all picked their own – I don't know if they were their own teams, though, because th- they were – I think I think that they – well, they had a team. I think I think they did – a bunch of them were raising money. For, I think it was for Boston Children's. So I'm not 100% sure, but – Right. Okay. Well, yeah, so we'll see. And it'll be like we'll see how much the team can raise, and then we see how much each of us individually can raise. It'll be like a little contest within a contest. Yeah. And for your, you know, many international millions of listeners, uh, there are hospitals <laughs> all around the globe that they can choose to raise money for. So they don't have to raise money for a Canadian or a, a American hospital. They can raise one that's uh, someplace that uh, is meaningful for them. Excellent. Excellent. And if anyone wants to join Team Cranky, um, dude, we would love to have you as as a... You know, see how many Garage Hammer listeners we can get together and get a huge team going. That would be really cool to see what we could do as a. It's really funny, and it just as a little bit of a sidetrack. Christopher contacted me yesterday and said, "Hey, let's have Cranky, and I want to do this this uh, extra life. I keep wanting to call it real life. This uh, extra life uh, thing." And uh, I had actually been meaning to bring it up with Christopher, but I was going to wait till we got a little closer to October. I didn't realize that it had already started with the signups and stuff like that. So it was just really bizarre that because I was going to say we should do a Garage Hammer team and just get everyone to sign up, but now the Garage Hammer team is is with Team Cranky. So, well, there's going to be a a shout out um, on the D6 Generation their next episode that's coming out, okay, and uh, or two where I may sort of throw the gauntlet down um, and uh, challenge them to sort of compete against us, if that's all right with you guys. Oh, sure. D6G versus Garage Hammer? They've got like 10 times the listenership we've got, but, I, and, but uh, dude, I'd be happy. Hey, you know what? There ain't no losers when all the money is going to charity. I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but... Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's a perfect excuse to game for 24 hours. <laughs> but, honey, the children... Yeah, exactly. They need me to do this. That's, yeah, I was telling Heather, I'm like, oh, Christopher called in. Great, we're doing this thing. It's called Extra Life, and it's 24 hours of gaming. And I started to get the stink eye, and I'm like, but you do it to raise money for charity. And they're like, how does that work? I'm like, people go to the website, uh, and they sponsor us for at least a dollar an hour. And like, you're going to just game for 24 hours? I'm like, how are you even going to stay up? I'm like, are you kidding? 24 hours of gaming? Easy peasy. Exactly. <laughs> That's what Red Bull and coffee beans are for. Dude, my record is 74 hours up straight. I can do 24 standing on my head. Not that I get much pleasure out of that. but uh, uh, When's the last time you stood on your head? Uh, I, I, recently, actually, messing around with the children. But I almost fell. And I'm too morbidly obese to risk a, a serious break or fracture. Yeah, so. I wouldn't advise 24 hours of that. No. No. As a lawyer, he recommends that you not do that. <laughs> As your friend, I recommend not doing that. Oh, see, Cranky's my friend. Poke, poke, poke in the bear, poke. There we go. 
I'm not biting it. <laughs> I hope you're not biting it. All right. So uh, what's the what's the website again, Cranky? It's extralife.org. That's extra-life.org. All right. And it's under Team Cranky? Yeah, just search for Team Cranky. Right now you'll see uh, myself, Christopher, and Andrew Sherman so far. And uh, Okay, well, by the time this airs, I should be on there as well. Excellent. All right, so uh, Cranky, um, so we can have more people joining our team. If, Absolutely. If they more wish. the better. Excellent. So we can have more people joining the team. Um, and if you guys want to donate, you can donate to any of us. Not to say that we're going to be competitive, you know. <laughs> Topher. <laughs> Chris isn't even saying anything. Man, that headache must be something fierce because Christopher is not even taking the bait here at this point. Um, I just I think that definitely people should sponsor any of us they wish. Of course, if I got the most, I would uh, I would be the happiest. Uh, but even if I get the least, like I said, it's all going to charity. Yeah, I mean I don't care. Like I said, whoever gets the most is you know can have bragging rights. But really, honestly, it's just any money we get raised for charity would be awesome. Of course, uh, I think uh, I think there's a good chance I might be the winner. I am uh, I am the lovable one in this crew. And uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see if Andrew Sherman can raise more than the Garage Hammer crew on this. I'm just. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not challenging or throwing down a gauntlet or anything because. Well, he's part. He's part of the team, Dave. I know he's part so of the he's, team. It's, it's going to be you. You know. Oh, that's if you right. Wanna, if you want to measure yourself, well, I mean, Christopher may. God, no, I don't do that. That's odd. But Christopher may. Um, you know, beat us all. He's a Garage Hammer member. But since we have members of our podcast, and obviously. Another, not rival, but brother podcast on. There's, you know, brothers always have that sibling rivalry, and so I'm just thinking, you know, I'm thinking that either Cranky, I mean, Cranky could come in number one because he is the cranky lawyer, and you know, people love to throw money at lawyers. But uh, if it's a garage hammer, oh, sure, because <laughs> I, I want to find those people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My children want me to find those people. <laughs> But uh, I'm just I'm predicting that it will be myself or Christopher who who on our team rake it in. So, folks, seriously, uh, for all the for all the smack I'm talking here, uh, with the, the pure in, the purest of intentions to just rile up Andy to no end. Um, yeah, seriously, this is going to like children's hospitals. So, you know, if you've got twenty four dollars that you can spare. Uh, and you can so you can donate at least that dollar per hour. We will game so that the kids may get so that people may get. Ah, damn it! We will game so that they may gain. How's that? That sounds better. Well done. Thank you. So, all right. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to have you write the slogans. No. Just so you know. <laughs> dude, just, dude, that was right off the top of my head. You got to admit, for we right off the top of my head, that's pretty. <laughs> okay, so maybe it isn't pretty good. You know, you're not as you know. My students, when I make stuff like that off the top of my head, they always say how wonderful it is because you're grading them because <laughs> because you give them A's. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Sometimes I forget when I'm here. I'm not. I, I, I want to know how many of your students didn't know the Titanic was real. Uh, I think they all know it was real. Although we finished reading Romeo and Juliet last week, and they went to go see the 3D Titanic, and they made it sure to inform me that no, Titanic is better. So. I weep for the future. Well, I've never seen Titanic, so. Oh, I did. Anyway, let's go into modeling then. Let's go to modeling, gaming, and reading. Now, Cranky 
Yes. What are you modeling? Aren't you doing some modeling as we speak? I am. I am, well, putting together some of the space wolf, those things uh, that they ride on, the, the large wolves. wolves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, putting them together because um, I think they're, you know, they can be used for uh, a lot of different sort of, not really conversion since you're using a whole model, but you could uh, test them out for Mornfang. Um, I could see trying to do a wolf-themed army of Empire and using them instead of the uh, Demi-Griffins. Oh, instead of the Demi-Griffs? Yeah, okay. which uh, I'm not that thrilled with. Oh, look, cranky. Not liking the Demi-Griffs. I like the Demi-Griffs, but that's just me. But, uh, so, you can, so what you're saying is you can take these wol- wolves and use them as wolves in, in other armies. Okay, excellent. <laughs> uh, folks, just... Uh, to completely derail our train of thought here, um, Christopher it was is not feeling well. Um, on his way over here to record, he started to feel a bit nauseous, and he's been kind of laying on the couch and doing the show from the prone position. Um, but he has just informed us that he just he is not he can't even pretend he hasn't said anything in the last fifteen minutes or so, and he can't even keep listening. He just feels nauseous, so he has curled up under a blanket. And uh, basically, we have a new guest host for today. It's funny that the one time you come on, you replaced Christopher, Cranky. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> but yes! <laughs> so finally, my contest has been won. Finally. So Meal has to send back his... Meal now has to send back his... his Meal needs to get in touch with me and send me his... Shipping information. Oh, he hasn't done that yet. Okay, Meal, we know you listen. Send in your shipping information to Cranky. Because I don't want to fly out with it to bits. Well, he's Tweety on our forums, so you could you could you could DM him on that too. Say, hey, where's my info? So, but uh, Cranky will be filling in for Christopher. This will be the first Army book review that we're doing without Christopher, which means the next episode probably Christopher will have to come in. We'll have to do some. We'll have to revisit this again. So Christopher can give his impressions. And he is laying right here. If he feels better or wants to chime in on any of the specific items, he will just grab a microphone and jump back in. But So there's where we are. Um, Old. Man. Okay, so Cranky, what do you do? Uh, so you're making wolves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's the video. So you can see. No. Again, great radio. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I believe you. I've seen them. I know what they look like. You don't have, you know. But uh, what have you been working on anything else recently? Uh, I'm putting together a Signar War Machine uh, starter box for Seamus. He had a demo game yesterday at Dirigo Hobbies. Okay. And uh, he saved up his money and picked up a starter box. So right now I'm putting that together because I won't let him touch super glue. <laughs> good call. Good call. And uh, that's you know what I've been working on the fa- uh, past few days. Cool. Um, as far as my modeling is going. Fir- my, my first um, starter box, I originally did it with plastic glue. It doesn't. I don't think that works, I just found no, out. It no, it doesn't, because that's a resin mix, so it has to be crazy glue, which means, uh, or super glue, whatever. So just, his models I, fell it, apart. Yeah, I just want to point out that it says on the box, plastic models, which makes me think plastic glue. Well, that's exactly what we thought, too. And then when all of his models fell apart, someone said, no, no, you have to use super glue. And we said, oh. But let's see, what have I done? Uh, I finished my mortise engine. 
It just needs to spray a dull coat, and it is done. Uh, I I love that model. It is pretty darn. Ooh. The, the, yes. Uh, I'm almost done with 10 hex wraiths. <clears throat> I've got them all coated. I'm just putting some of the bale fire touches on it, and they'll be done uh, with my little ethereal... Uh, my ethereal... St- I, I got a little system down to do ethereals where they sort of look uh, with that greenish tint. They look ghostly. Ghosty. But uh, then I've gone in for any colors that would be very vivid, um, especially like the, the the metal on their weapons or their armor, and done a very light tone of it and then gone over it again with that greenish glow. So it looks like there's just a shimmer of that color coming through. So I got all that done, and I'm just putting the bale fire bits on the hex rates, and they'll be done. You should share that uh, recipe with Andrew because I hear he can't paint uh, ethereal. <laughs> I think he can paint it. He's just having. He just has the trouble saying it. But no, actually, it's actually really simple. I I put on the white primer, and I make sure it's a nice solid coat. And if you don't get a solid coat, go over it some with some white paint. Um, I do a green wash, um, and then I do a second green wash just to after it dries, just to get the that green pretty deep in. Uh, then I take the um, the skull white. And I add some a bit of green wash to it. Uh, so as I keep uh, mixing it in, it's a very lightly tinted green, but it's still pretty white. Um, and then I do a kind of a heavy dry brush over the model with that, and it gives it sort of that that bit of a powdery look. But it's also a very you know the the outer edges are very white. It gets a little darker green as it goes in. Um, once I'm done with that, then I do the same thing. Uh, for the metals, I pick the metal color I want. I add some white to it to lighten it up, make it kind of thin. Uh, and I very, put a very thin coat of that paint on. Not, I mean, not a thin coat, but I just don't lay it on heavy at all because you don't want it to be very vivid. You still want to have that, you know, that look like it's just a color shimmering through. And then I go back with the uh, white paint with the green tint in it, with the green wash, and I dry brush that over whatever color it is. So the overall, uh, even the stuff that has color, still over that is that the, the, the same color as the rest of the body. So it looks more like just a color, you know, the remnant of what it was in the living world shining through uh, the, the ghostly color. Uh, it's, it works for me, and it's actually quite simple. Have you got uh, pictures of those up on the forums yet? No, um, I haven't taken pictures of anything. In fact, that's the, the I'm in such a rush for Adepticon. That's the, my next my next thing is to get it all on the table and get pictures up. Although I think I'm going to get a picture of the Mortis engine and maybe some of my either Spirit Host or the Hex Race. I'll take them and I'll just take a picture of them and use them as the the main picture for the show on the forum at least. But I'm going to get all this stuff up uh, soon, actually. Um, I also took the 180 zombies that I had based and primed and uh, done the washes on last time I talked about, and uh, I did sand bases and uh, dipped all 180 of them this week as well. And uh, I found out that everyone kept saying that the GW water effects are really runny, like you put it on it, it's like water, it's going to run everywhere, it won't stay I don't know if people... If, no. No, it's not. You know, everyone keeps saying, oh, you should have bought the cheaper, the $5 stuff or the $7 stuff from the hobby store, from the train store. 
Um, maybe that stuff's really watery. The GW stuff is kind of thick. It's almost got the consistency of one of the like like, like a like a super glue. Oh yeah, it's almost like a, like more syrupy. Um, I poured that out and just to see what it was like. And I figured with the rock with already having the sand base, if it didn't work, I didn't have to do it. But if it did, maybe some of that sand would keep it from running. And it just stayed where I put it. So what I've done is I've gone back on those sand bases because I didn't paint them. I just put uh, the dip on them, the varnish. I went back and did a denim stone dry brush over it to make them lighter. And then I went in with a couple of different shades of green and just um, I just uh, stippled on a little bit of green on different spots. So it's kind of hopefully they're, they're, they're starting to look mossy. So when I do the water effect over it, hopefully it'll look like a bog, which is the plan. Algae. <laughs> yes. Ghostly algae. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that is all my modeling, which is, you know, I mean, these 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 zombies are starting to get to me. I have spent a lot of time on them. But there's 180. So any step, any step of the game takes four to five hours. Well, so, you know what you should have done about those zombies? What? You? you should have just put them in a box with some of your other models and uh-huh. leave them overnight. Okay. And then they would all have been zombies. Oh, that, that's great. <laughs> then what I have done with my other models, I would have needed them later. Well, I... They would have been you mad don't need at me. them for Adepticon. My models would have been mad at me, and then they would have talked to my dice, and then when I would have rolled, all my ballistic skill shooting would miss. Listen, Cassidy, well, I don't have your dice with... already hate you. <laughs> my dice don't hate me, although I do have the... I think I have a Cascade record. That is really frightening, though, that I was able to even... Not just get the dimensional Cascade, but go off the board and die eight miscasts in a row. That's, i got to have a record of some sort for that. My dice Not love me. you want, though. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the kind my opponents enjoy. My dice love me, so have me roll your dice. No, then it's your game. So Yes, it is. All right, so uh, done with modeling. Any? Uh, have you done any reading of anything fun yet lately, Cranky? Uh, yeah, I've been plowing through the Game of Thrones books. Oh, really? I'm on. Yeah, I picked them up uh, President's Day weekend. Oh, that's and, right. And I'm on the... Uh, the, the fifth one now, the one he just came out with. So you've read the first 6,000 pages or something like that? Yeah. Those are And it's books. really good. My uh, Bobina has watched the entire first season. Uh, we got it on Blu-ray and watched that, and she's hooked. Um, I know it's not. I know it, I mean, it obviously can't capture everything in the book, and some people don't like that it doesn't get it. Man, I love that show. Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, for you know... Working off of something that is uh, so well written, you know, it did a very good job. Yeah. For books that are 1,100 pages? Oh, I don't think they're that long, but they're pretty long. Um, and I can't think of the name of the actor, and I'm blanking on his name right now. And I, uh, Sean, what, the guy that played Stark? Sean you Bean? No, the, the dwarf. Oh. And I'm blanking on his name, but he's been in so many other things, too. And he's he's my favorite yeah, he really good. is my favorite. His character is my favorite too. He's got such great lines, and he's just Heather's read them all. So I was sitting there saying how much I think she's like. He's like the smartest person in that entire that on that in that world. He is like the smartest character in any of the books. And she's like, I'm not just saying that he's he's literally just the smartest character in the books. So, but I really enjoyed it. Um, 
And I'm on, what book am I on here? I'm on a couple books after you in the uh, Horace Heresy series. Oh, yeah? Um, Nemesis, that's what I'm reading now. Oh, okay. As well. And uh, I'm on Mechanicum. That, Did you like the book or the short stories? Did you read the 10th one? The sh- yeah, I read them. They were all right. Okay. I mean, the, the last one was really interesting in terms of a glimpse into the Emperor. Oh, really? You know, in the sort of, well, I think so, yeah, if I'm remembering the right the, One of the short story ones had some stuff in there, and actually the one you're reading right now does a little bit too. Because I love, I mean, you never get to see him, and it's so aggravating because he, even, he shows up for a brief second in uh, Descent of Angels. Uh, in fact, in Legion, when the guy who's the weird, you know, the guy who can read minds and stuff, when he has that the flashback telepath? to meeting the emperor, and the emperor says, we should talk, and then but the next day he's got shipped off or whatever happened. Right. And I'm like, wow, I want to be... <laughs> You know, the most enigmatic character, and I realize they can't, you know, you can't put a character like that in the story too much, but they just, it's it's such a tease when he shows up once every three or four books for like three pages, and you're just like, oh, I'm I'm not going to get to. What I've always been interested in is why the Emperor is so interested in humanity when he's clearly not any definition of human. Exactly. Well, that I mean, is, it's like yeah. what, we play things. What the heck? Well, and the, and that's the thing. I mean, even if you read some of the flubs, like the emperor showed up and unified the world and did this, and I'm like, really? And, pe- and he's like, oh, and the humanity Why? rallied behind him. And I'm like, isn't he like like 15 feet tall or something like that? I'm like, I you would, I mean, you know, every every book I've ever read, every movie I've ever seen, a 15 foot tall man shows up and says, "I'm here to lead you." You know, humanity, they must really be on the brink because most of them would just be like, no, we're afraid well, of you. after, you know, tens of thousands of years of the NBA draft, that's, you know, <laughs> not that unusual anymore. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, it can't be too hard to rally behind him. Like you said, he's 15 feet tall. I didn't say hide behind him. <laughs> Harrison. Well, he, well, if they rally behind him, they have to be behind him. <sighs> Harrison, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> I advise that you don't do that. Oh, not on the air. Or don't admit it. There you go. <laughs> not in today's climate. Not like when we were growing up. Now everybody, no one allows you to mind your own business. Um, gee whiz. Yeah, so I'm reading Mechanicum, and I'm just stuck right now. And it's not that I'm not enjoying it. Uh, I'm actually quite fascinated by it. But as the closer I get to the end of the school year, plus my students reading Romeo and Juliet, my students in my other class are all working on getting together new monologues and duets and plays to perform, so I have to read all of those. Aren't you teaching Hunger Games or yes, something? That's, I, have six, I, I teach six classes. I've got one drama, four humanities, and this reading class for kids who are a little bit behind grade level. Um, and uh, well, Hunger Games is amazing for everyone who hasn't read it. Read it. Yeah, I love Hunger Games. In fact... Um, I, I want to read the second and third books, but I have to keep reading book one over again to do the work with the kids. And I don't want to read one and two at the same time because I don't want to get confused as to which book I'm talking about. Because these kids, they need me at, at full attention and, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah. focused. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to confuse them because uh, I know most of them don't even want to read it. I'm just now slowly starting to get them interested in it. Apparently, they all read it last year for school, and none of them actually read it. They got about three chapters in and quit. Yeah, so Hunger Games and Mechanicum kind of at the same time. 
But uh, I'm really looking forward to reading uh, The Girl on Fire because I really, like I said, I, I really enjoyed The Hunger Games. Catching a lot. Fire. Whatever it is. Learn your facts. Gonna slap you. But not really. Yeah, don't admit your crimes or premeditate them on air. <laughs> not generally a good thing. You know, when my clients post their exploits on Facebook and then are surprised they're caught. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah, humanity has gotten dumber and dumber. I weep for the future. I I do too. I weep because no one is smart anymore. Oh, stop, Harrison, or I will take you off the air, and then I will you will be punished, but in a in a completely legal and <laughs> caring fashion. Not being buried in the backyard of fashion. <laughs> no, yes, the not being buried in the backyard fashion. Very good. <laughs> Save me. <coughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to gaming, I guess. Um, okay, uh, have you have you uh, done any gaming lately? I know you said you couldn't get a game in on your uh, your table, but have you done any gaming lately, Cranky? Uh, I, before I started on the table, I got a series of games in with the uh, with uh, the ogres, and uh, but the big news was is that Seamus went to his first tournament at Dirigo Hobbies and came in second. Really? Ooh, yeah. good for him. Uh, three game tournament. Three game tournament, and he, uh, what did he take? He took high elves. Woo! Yeah, he had a, he built the list himself. Um, there were he ended up with a it looked like a Bretonian list. It, he had a uh, dragon prince bus. Really? Yeah, like five. there were like thirteen dragon princes, and then th- three character or four characters in there as well. Yeah, wow. it was pretty nasty. It, it it mowed through a whole bunch of ogres. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, with that high armor save too, and any and all the people throwing their flaming things on uh, on their you know find out the unit that's got the flaming attacks and throw your throw them into that. Yeah, he took. I can't remember what banner he took. He took something. I think it might have been the extra movement banner. Uh, so they were really reaching out and touching you faster than you they you know than you expected More than them to expect. Wow, that's that is awesome! Congratulations. Um, I've I've had a game. Uh, Grant and I got one. The, the only game we're going to get in for a practice game for our uh, the team tournament at Adepticon. We're playing ogres and demons. Yeah, I know. I was very people. disappointed in your name choice. Ah, well, Tastes what are you like going to do? Tastes like chaos is better. Tastes like chaos. Da- Damned ogres. Damned ogres. I even made a poster for you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I'm sorry, Cranky. What do you want from me? I posted the poster on the forums. Oh. Don't you remember? Uh, honestly, I don't. I'm going to be, I'm not going to pretend. Christopher's head was in it. Oh. Oh, that, that's right. <laughs> okay, I do remember In a that. very risky outfit. Ask. <laughs> But uh, let me just say this. I, you know, this this episode will come out after Adepticon, so it's okay. But um, we had to make a few tweaks. But it's a uh, couple of Saber Tusks, four Mornfang Cav, one unit of four, um, a block of Iron Guts, and uh, a BSB, and a, uh, and a Wizard. Um, I think it's like a level two Maw. Aww. And uh, we took that with a uh, with the demons, which had a block of twenty nine um, uh, blood letters, a unit of I think it's about 
about 15 um, Pink Horrors. We had four Flamers. And what else did we have in that unit? I think that's pretty much it. And then we had a uh, Herald of Corn and a Herald of Zinch. And, uh, Only two Chaos Gods. Yes, his, his Herald of Zinch ha- was level two and was a lore master of light. And <laughs> let me tell you something. Using light on ogres <laughs> is stupid. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's stupid. I'm going to put this spell on them that gives them weapon skill 10, initiative 10, ogres. And, and then, then we'll give them p- the always strikes first <laughs> spell. It's ridiculous. It was, it was all sorts of dumb. It really is. And can't, isn't there a light spell that doubles their movement or something, too? Or Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we only had the level 2, and we actually had some really poorly rolled up magic phases. So we're getting, like, one spell off at a time. But even with one spell at a time... Letting, Weapon skill 10 ogres is not fun. No. I mean, everything's hitting them. Half the stuff on the table. We were playing uh, against uh, a couple of our friends who had beasts and uh, warriors of chaos. Uh, and hitting on fives. Yeah. A lot of the times the beasts were just hitting on fives. And uh, it's, you know, you can get a horde of beasts with their hatred and all that with the rerolls. But when they're hitting on fives, the ogres just come in with that weapons. You know, ogres are suddenly... Hitting on threes, wounded on twos or threes. It's just, it was stupid. Sounds like ogre sword masters. Yeah. I mean, it was just... It was that is genuinely terrifying. It was really... I mean, I'm not kidding. It was just stupid. And like I said, we never managed to get a big enough roll where we gave them... Well, the always strikes first and the always strikes last would just counter each other and it would go at initiative so they wouldn't get the re-rolls. But uh, I actually suggested maybe if, if we're using this spell, these, this, this lore... To go with regular bulls, just so they can get the rerolls on the hit. But then we decided, nah, keep it because we want the we want the extra the higher strength hits. Armor. Yeah, you, you, this, you need the strength six so that you can get through a lot of stuff without depending on the buffs. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's if you take the uh, the regular ogres, then and you don't get those buffs off. If you end up if you get something that's uh, high toughness or more importantly high armor, it's suddenly those 30-something attacks are bouncing off a lot. Right, and that's the one thing we didn't want to do. But with those... I mean, you killed a third of an ogre. It was it was just ridiculous. I mean, we didn't have to... I mean, because it was Lore Master of Light, so it was just... Uh, it's really, really stupid. I mean, and it was like, oh, well, you're not... You're, 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 uh, you're suspicious allies, so you can't use each other's... Uh, General's leadership, you know, because... BSB? Trusted allies. They can use the general's inspiring presence. Nobody can use the uh, other BSB unless you're the... Like, if you're paying two... Like, if if Harrison... Same race, yeah. Same race can use it. But um, if you're using different races, no one can use the BSB. But we couldn't use the general's leadership anyway. And I was just like, well, what does it matter? Um, Like, the demons don't need all that stuff because they... They have that demonic instability, so a lot of that stuff isn't well, going to affect yeah, them that much. Yeah, but you don't want demons to get killed. But the crumble on them works much easier, and the ogres don't have that high of a leadership where it matters. So it was just yeah, it's the demonic instability. You just make a leadership test, and whatever you fail by. Now I will say this: we did benefit in that we were fighting against warriors of chaos and. Beastmen and everyone, you know, it's, it's for Adepticon, so each of us had a thousand points. So they didn't have any shooting, 
So, I mean, we had to go up the guts, and there was, like I said, I mean, with the light magic, it was there was it was no chance. There was no freaking chance. It was. <laughs> It was bad. I mean, and we played against good players too. They were just like looking for like this is just dumb. <laughs> yes, it is. Who was playing Warriors? Greg, you've oh, played against him. I've played against Greg. Yeah, it was Greg, and, and it was Ryan Noble, big Noble from uh, from NW two NW who NW six NW six. That's my boy genius. He just can't add. I can add. All right. I so, any other game? Do you have any any interesting games you wanted to talk about, Cranky? Um, the, uh, not really. I mean, I found that the ogres are really, uh, chewing through a lot of stuff, but what is the most frustrating game is ogres versus ogres. It's just like, okay, this is a game of who rolls better. I think a lot of times with any mirror match on armies, it becomes like that though. I think a lot of it becomes, if you're playing a high magic, I mean, I suppose ogres, because it is that up the guts type. It'd be a little more uh, one-dimensional, I guess, in the fight. But um, have you seen in the White Dwarf? Because I know you always grab it and post it so you can you can laugh at my pain since I just got my latest White Dwarf freaking yesterday. From December? <laughs> no, no. It is the April issue. It just came yesterday. Um, Yesterday, and I see why you said I was going to love it because there's all this uh, all this golden demon stuff in the back. It's amazing. Yeah. But um, have you tried any of the paints out yet? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, I've tried some of the glazes, some of the washes, and uh, I I like the new paints. Praise to the glazes. Oh, speaking of which, I know you've got the same thing I've got, so we should discuss that as something. I you have the um, how to paint Citadel miniatures book, don't you? Yes, I did, and I. Just watched the majority of it with uh, Eli and Seamus. That's uh, going to be great for them. That, that, that DVD is going to be. So- what do you think of the book? I think that if you're either going to use their paints or just beyond beginner, it's an excellent book. Yes. Uh, for, for either one of those. So if you're really experienced, but you're going to be trying out their paints. It's a great book. The DVD, I think, throwing that in there for the price is re- – it changes it completely from what the book was before because – well, I st- I've only been playing for like a year. Right. And I didn't do any hobby gaming at all. So all this painting stuff was new to me. What? It, painting? It, yeah, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> no, in fact, uh, dude, I am – like I said, I – and when you would see these books and like, oh, you do this, you do that, those sorts of things. Still there, David? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Um, when, you know, you'd read things or listen to podcasts and they'd be, don't know what you mean by watering down the paint, by uh, extreme highlighting. You know, you're oh, throwing okay. these terms around. And even when you see it in the, you know, how to paint the old, how to paint Citadel Miniatures book, you just sort of see a, maybe a brush in a picture. Or, you know, the before and after of the stages. But to actually see the guy who they photographed for, I'm not sure if it's the exact same guy or not, but to see him doing the actual work that they then go and show you in the step-by-steps is really, really helpful. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, it's going to be great for people just starting out like Seamus and Eli 
Um, Harrison but was looking I through it. it. I can't wait to get him to watch the video. I was watching it on my break at work. Oh my god, I'm so and not good at painting. That's going. This is a lifesaver. It 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 is gonna really, and it's gonna help me out a lot too because I've been trying. I think to do too much with my painting. It's like, oh, I need to make it look like Johnny does. And, you know, it's like this not gonna happen. No, exactly. And you know? I've come to that point myself. It's like you just got to do your best, but, okay, get it done and move along at the same time. Folks, we are going to take a commercial break. You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks, Urza'sDen.com, custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sDen.com. You won't be sorry. And we're back. Back. Back, back, back. Yeah, sorry about the weird edit, folks. We just had to stop for a minute. This stuff wouldn't happen if Chris was feeling okay. How to Paint Citadel Miniatures. That book is a fantastic guide, like you were saying, Cranky, for a beginning painter. Harrison has been poring over it. Um, it lays out color schemes for any of the di- many of the different races and the different types. I'm doing what I like to do with army books. Memorize it. <laughs> um, it also lays out what each of their new paint style, what each of their new paints is for, uh, which is great. So if you're, if you're a person who is not familiar with picking and mixing and blending colors, it lays it all out for you. This this is a whole painting system, and the book is really great for showing you that. If you are a painter who is already, you know, you're if you, if you're looking at your armies and and they're in contention for best painted at your tournaments and stuff, you might not need this. You just you know borrow it from a friend. Um, you won't need it. Yeah, if I'm, you're in contention for best painted, you don't need this book. No, uh, the only thing you might want to use it for is to look at their explanations of the the you know some of the, like the dry brush paint. I mean, people a lot of you know I. This is something that is relatively new. I don't understand what those are used for, like at for all. Dry brushing. They come already well, thank really. Thank you, Captain. Obvious. Well, they come. They come, and they're really thick. You saw it in the book. They're a really thick paint, so that way you can. So just... why can't I just leave my paint open overnight? Don't do that. No, don't. Your dad will no. get mad. Yeah. Don't do no, that. it's 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 not your paints are drying out and turning into into clay. This is made. This. This consistency and this thickness. Please don't ask silly questions like that. Uh, Leave those to me. <laughs> but uh, like I said, it is nice to see the the all the different uses uh, and the the you know what what the purpose behind making all of these new types. Of the glazes are awesome. Like, and I never understood the difference between a wash and an ink. Um, I I picked up the glazes because I want to. I'm not going to use their new paints, but I want to see what they'll do to tie in my really crappy painting. <laughs> you know, where yeah. there's stark Ooh, contrast between the layers and see if the glazes can really Cause it's gonna lay a tint. smooth it out. Yeah. yeah. It's going to, yeah. I mean, in fact, it, that's the big difference between the glaze and the wash, where the wash is going to lay in all the cracks, and that's where the color is going to mostly be. The glaze is going to, wherever you put it, is going to stay, and it's just going to add a little bit of that tint to the, to the overall look. What, so, what I think that... Anyone who's not, who doesn't think that they're an expert painter or a really good painter should do, and I'm going to probably do this at least once, is give yourself over to the technique. Find one model 
pick up the paints, try to pick up something that you may use on some of your other miniatures. I do and that on Night do it, it. Give yourself over. Do it exactly the way they say and see how it comes out. You know, abandon control and, and, and you know, give it a shot and see what it does. Um, I, I'd be curious to see how it comes out. Um because whenever I try these, you know, in, in the white dwarf and everything, about two steps in, I try to go my own way. Oh, so then I can no longer blame them for how it <laughs> turns out. Now, I, I do, like I said, I do like to follow along with the white dwarf, uh, you know, the master cl- I have the master class painter book that they put out with the white dwarf issues. I used the uh, white dwarf how to paint the mortise engine as my guide. I didn't do the same, all the same colors, um, but like... You know, I did my own ethereal look for the mounts and stuff, but for the guy, for the actual throne portion itself, uh, I used their uh, their ideas um, for the actual physical parts of it, and it was really a, a neat learning experience. I got to you know try to do things the way they explained it. I, I love this book though, in that it it really it does lay out if if you are just painting. And maybe you don't have a style or or a solid technique, like you just said. This will give you one. Um, and of course it's, you know, it's got all their different paints, but it's like, okay, start with this, go to this, go to that, go to the other, but, uh, they give you the base coat, then wash it, then do a first layer, then do a second layer, then do a dry brush. It's funny. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the, the glaze going over some of them. Um, I love the glazes. I really do. Have um, you used them yet? Yeah. They're, I've they're I just plan with them a little bit and I, I, I picked up the glazes. I picked up a couple of washes. I picked up a couple of, uh. Texture paints. Yeah, I picked up a texture couple of the texture bay. paints, which is basically oh, like what gosh. you did for your uh, for your board. It's like it's got sand and grit in the paint, so you can use it as you just right, as you paint it on, instead of having to do all the work with the sand. I I think it's great. I can't imagine it being cost effective to do an army with it, and if you're doing a character model, or you know I. I think you're going to be doing something besides that. A oh, character model? Honestly, do not use this. I have, I have the sand one, like the sandy looking one. I did like there was one which is like a, supposed to be an undergrowth. It's supposed to be like muddy. It's greenish, dark green. Like the jungle yeah. undergrowth? Yeah. yeah. Lush green um, undergrowth. But honestly, I will still, uh, because it's a, it, it seems like it's also a really fine grit, and I kind of like the sand with the different chunky parts in it. I'll still just use the regular sand. But it's nice to have. And if you don't like, here's the thing. If you don't like to do that extra step of glue, sand, another layer of glue, paint it, you know, or do a wash over it or whatever, dry brush over it, you can use this, put it down, dry brush over it. I think it'll work just fine. And it's and you have a you have a base that has some texture to it in one step. And if you try two steps if you add the dry brush. It is literally a two step process. Yeah, but I'm still even if you want to do it all at once, I'd be curious in it might not some, work. Pl- getting some sandbox sand, sticking it next to you, and then when you're ready to do it, in your palette, stick the sand, get any type of paint you want, drop it in there, mix it up, and slap that on there. I think it's going to go further. That, a, you can pick the color you want, and B, I mean, well, don't you think, I mean, you've used it. Don't you think they're going to run out pretty quick? No, it's just, I mean, it's... Uh, you're going to use it. You're going to thin it down just a touch like you always do. You add a touch of water. Maybe not even add too much water. I, I, once again, this is they're aiming at the beginner painter. I'm, I'm, I might use it a little bit on different things. Um, 
I could see myself using it as little touch-ups and add-ons here. But when I looked at the final product with it, um, I could totally see Harrison using it. Like just yes. it, yeah, yeah. No desire. I guess if there was Eli warm, and Seamus, no desire to sit there and add glue, and you don't want to get any what? glue on. They the, do a good job at the basin. Do they? That's that's the one thing they've got down. Because you know, you know, you, you accidentally as you're putting the brush on, you accidentally get a little bit of glue on the foot or on the cloak, and then you got to then the, you got to rub it off, or else the or else the sand gets on it. You got to knock the sand off. Um, I'm actually pretty for someone who's a that. complete beginner. It, it, it's well. It's like this. There's well, it's the same. It's the same thing with this, though. Except the glue is going to dry clear, and this brown stuff, if you get it on the boot, is going to dry brown. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, well, that's true. That's you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's, it, 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 it's interesting. I, I could see why people really like uh, the book. I think is great. Yeah. And the in the new paints, it, I want to give it a try, but I think I'm going to stick with Vallejo in in Reaper. Oh, for sure. the dropper well, systems, and I I'm, I want to give Reaper a try with the with their triads and see how that turns out. Yeah, like I said, I pretty much I primarily use GW paints primarily anyway, and so the switch over doesn't. You know, I'm uh, I have no problem. I mean, I'm st- I'm not running out to buy all the other paints. I'm still using my same colors, but well, I you, have these. You new know options. when you're going to get frustrated when, is when you run out of a color in the middle of an army, and it's one of those colors that's different, yeah. but the same name. Exactly. Well, because I mean, yeah. uh, the, uh, what I've seen from the stuff online is that the the same name, the stuff they say is well. Here's the thing: places it, or it, they're different. Yeah. Well, here's what I had heard, and I'm not 100 percent certain if this is true. But what I heard is that they the 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 manufacturer is a different manufacturer, which is why they changed all the names because they're not. I mean, they're like 98 percent similar, but they're um, not. Yeah, I guess the same. Could- the, the, I heard that they changed manufacturers. I guess they could have changed the names because there might have been an issue with the old manufacturer and who had the rights to the names. I bet it's more because they can now um, copyright more of these names. It's possible. I honestly think it's just because there is that slight difference, and if they keep the same name and they're not the same, people will get mad. And eventually it's a little different, and once your old, old color is gone, it's gone. And it's not, you know... There's not even going to be picking up saying, I like the old blah, blah, blah better because there won't even be that name existing anymore. Um, They're going to wipe it from the face of humanity. Exactly. Uh, but like I said, I, I do think it's cool. Access. There are things that are missing. There is no section on blending because they don't. Sh- In fact, uh, when they're showing you how to paint the orc boar boy, I'm looking at the close-up on the face, and they are not blending. They are just putting this color over that color. Um, you know, there's no article on, there's no section on how to paint gems, which the old, how to paint gems in the old book, I'm keeping the old book, uh, much, much better detail, much more realistic. Um, this, this is a bit of a cartoony system in that they're not trying to teach you to blend all this. And, stuff. and I think that by doing the book, which is actually bigger than the old book, yep. it, but aiming it for a smaller audience, they do a much better job. Exactly. Uh, because I, but here's the thing, even with the, like, I have the How to Paint Citadel miniatures book because when I first started playing this game and painting, it was about you know about five six years ago, about five years ago I think. Uh, I my I had no painting technique, so I knew how to paint. It was like I've been to art school. I could paint on a canvas, but I didn't know what to do with this little tiny model. So the book I found very helpful, you know. But I my friends who've been painting forever, none of them own the book because they've been painting forever. Why would they buy it? And I think targeting this and just saying, you know what, we realize it's going to be mostly for beginning painters. 
um, or people who want to, you know, who have who don't feel that their painting is good. I think it's great if you want to do an advanced. If they came out in six months with an advanced technique book, I would totally get that. Well, that's what I think by by focusing on a narrower audience or that they can do a better job and they leave open the possibility of putting an intermediary mm-hmm. or an intermediate yeah. uh, level book that where they get into blending and that sort of stuff short of masterclass, but right. beyond, you know, and again, I think that this will, if people follow this, it'll raise the hobby. And there are, and you know what, there is stuff in here though, that even for the, even if you, if you're, if you have some decent technique now, I mean, would you spend fifty bucks for four pages out of this? Maybe not, but the uh, rust and getting a patina that bluish patina on 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 bronze, uh, chipping and weathering your models, or putting in like the the dust on the boots or the weathering on the bottoms of the vehicles, it's not like the top notch best level you know masterclass sort of skill. But the other book didn't have that. It didn't show me how to paint rust. It didn't show me how to make my models look like the metal is all chipped off and that the the bright uh, the paint's all chipped off and that that bright metallic color showing underneath. So it does have a few next step techniques in it too. So yeah. But like I said, we've probably given this a little too much time. But I know a lot of people, even on Twitter, have been, hey, is it any good? Is it any good? Is it any good? If if you don't, you, like, know, you know, the boys enjoyed watching it. Harrison will, will really enjoy it. I enjoyed watching it. I mean, this guy's talking about painting models. And, it you sounds know, interesting. If you're someone who is really comfortable with your painting technique and your painting technique is good, like people looking at your models say, "Wow, this is really excellent," you know, you you won't need it. You know, take, borrow a friend's, look through it, see what they say about their different uses, so that you might be able to incorporate it. But um, for anyone who's a, a beginner or unhappy with their paints, this is I, – I thought it was worth every dime. I really did. All right. So uh, having done that, I guess we're wrapping up that garage manager section, and we shall quickly move into the Empire. You got your book, Crank? I got both the books. Oh, good. So do I. So do I. Right here. Uh, so uh, I guess we should start with, uh, now I know we discussed the cover from the picture on the website last week, but let's just start with the basics, the cover. Um, well, I mean, it's hardcover, and it's, I mean, it's what you expect now. It is the, what, the fifth book in the new series? It is quality standard. Yeah, yeah and it's it's up to their standard quality, hardcover, nice. What do you think of the cover picture? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, no one's talking about it the way they did with the '80s rock star vampire. So oh, that was the, the the Danzig vampire was so bad. It was so, it was bad. so weird. It was so bad. <laughs> I like it. Uh, there's only one weird thing, and I know I kind of made fun of his nose last episode, but now that I actually have the book on my hands, he's got like weird scarification or something, like running down between his. No, that's just the way he's sneering. No, I mean it's not. It's like I know it's not scarification, but like. It does. It's like this weird raised-up skin portion running down ah. above his mustache and below his eyes. It looks just really odd to me. It's like a whole different color and stuff. But uh, other than that one little, and that's really being nitpicky, I like this cover. I like the look of the guy. I like that he's got all the little vials and things hanging off of his belt. Um, it's, uh, it, it almost looks, if you first look at it, it almost looks like, because of the background, like it's a... Blood Bowl cover, like he's in an arena. Oh yeah, Carl With Franz is in the background. The wall, if you look. 
Yeah, that is. It's got to be Carl Franz. He's wielding Galmaraz, isn't he? Unless he's a master thief. So and he's standing on top, <laughs> standing on top of a cannon. But if you look around his, uh, the stuff hanging off his belt, he's got that little mini warhammer. He's got these little talismans and amulets of protection on him. It's um, his charm bracelet. It is, except it's around his waist, and so it's friendship belt. Um, <laughs> friendship belt. <laughs> I'm friends with Sigmar. I've got the hammer. <laughs> you got to collect them all. It's like it's 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 McDonald's toys. What is it? McMurdy's. They give away little Sigmar hammers and stuff like that in there. It's in whatever there. the halflings. It's the halflings have a monopoly on the drive-through. There you go. Um, but no, I really love it. I love all the you know. This, the this more I look your hot at pot. It. Yeah. I mean, you see, like even on the on his shoulder brace, all the notches and the scratches. Even though it's it's like polished and looks good, you can just see. Well, look at look the at battle. the cannon. Oh yeah, the cannon's got that huge crack in it. All the arrows in the wall. He's just standing up there with the sword. I, I like it. I I do like it a lot. I like it a lot Yarr, better when I've seen I'm it. I'm going to be shot an arrow in the head soon. Um, someone did point out that this is the first Empire cover of all the different Empire books they've done that doesn't have like. It's not like a battle scene with a whole unit on the cover. It's like this guy. And then there's, you know, he's on the wall. There's a few guys behind him. You could tell a battle's going on, but it's a guy. As opposed to just, like, if you look at the old Empire book, the entire regiment of guys, you know, going in and spears spears out and fighting. Um, let's see. What do we got here? Uh, the fluff. Uh, let's talk a little about that. Um, you've read through it, obviously. Uh, of course not. No, I skipped to the rules. Oh, great! Uh, you, uh, um, I do that too. Are are we saying you are a rules lawyer? No. Okay. I just <laughs> I well. wanted to see how the uh, how the uh, how much of Andy's army got nerfed. <laughs> Take that, Andy. <laughs> Harrison, be and good. I th- and I overall think that he's being a big crybaby. You know what? Um, we'll get we will get to it in a little bit, but I think I kind of. Well, I'm not going to say he's being a crybaby, but I, I, I think this is a good book. I think that the, the Empire players who are saying their book now sucks or their book is the worst book on the list now, um, I, I think that's just the shock of having their one pluses taken away. Um, but I think this is a really good book, personally. I mean, is it the top tier? Probably not, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So No, demons still hold that. Uh, no. Uh, let's see. Fluff-wise, uh, it's your typical, you know, it's simple stuff, same stuff we've generally had. Um, the Rise of Sigmar, talking about men, you know, 500 years before Sigmar, you have uh, basically barbarian hordes of men trying to carve out something. Um, you know, these uh, loose alliances between groups of men, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of this, a lot of that. Um, but they have come together by the time of Sigmar. They've come together with these sort of loose organizations to protect each other because beastmen and orcs and these other things are just running roughshod over them. And they're uh, so for their protection, they sort of band together. And it's Sigmar who is born under the you know the sign of the twin-tailed comet. And if and, okay, if you don't know this story, then you really need to go back either to and read. The I read bluff. the novels. Yeah, <laughs> you know what surprises me is that a lot of the novel stuff isn't mentioned here. In fact, the fluff really surprised me in that they they took more out than they added in. I think um, the story of Valton, which I thought was a weird story anyway, is gone. 
Um, the second coming of Sigmar story. If, uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, folks, it's in the last edition Empire book. But um, he was found, and uh, they said he was the second coming of Sigmar. And he never speaks, but uh, apparently he looks like Sigmar, and he was an amazing warrior. And he was just looking for a tax write-off. He <laughs> wanted to be a nonprofit, so they followed him and said, you know, it's the second coming. And they didn't, uh, and he never spoke. So that way, they, they, they when they make the movie version, they could pay him less. Yeah, exactly. Because he doesn't have any speaking lines. Uh, it was a weird story, and they cut it out. And although I liked it, it was such a weird story. I wasn't that sad to see it go. Um, they do, you know, they they run over the story of Blackfire Pass with Sigmar getting uh, the Warhammer from King Kurgan, and uh, him founding the Empire. They never mention his final battle with. Uh, with uh, Nagash is not mentioned in here. They don't mention. I think actually, kind of, you know, he became the emperor. He uh, unified the the empires of man. He ruled for fifty years very well, and then disappeared. That's you know, it's like mm, okay. Uh, they do kind of go through some of the history here. Um, the age of anarchy. They talk about the time of the three emperors. They talk about when the Skaven attacked uh, and set off the Black Plague of 1111, where a huge, huge chunk of the Empire uh, just basically died. They talk about the different Elector Counts, the different Three Emperors, the destruction of Solid by Gorbad Ironclaw. Um, the Poor wars Solanders. Of the, yeah, the Wars of the Vampire Counts. Then they get to uh, the war against chaos, where Magnus the Pious saves them all. I mean, these are all stories we we know if you've read any of the Empire fluff. Um, what's really surprising is they go through that, and then they get to the once they get through the story of Magnus the Pious and how the Empire goes on, they start to talk about Carol Franz, who's the emperor. Uh, you know, the world's greatest statesman. It really this part of the fluff, and I, I know if you were reading it, crank it, page 13, where they're talking about he's, he's a brilliant statesman and all the intrigue and all the different, uh, him having to sort of navigate this labyrinth of uh, political intrigue. It really sort of reminded me of the 40K sort of universe in a way, where uh, it's sort of like this, you know, you have this emperor whose dream is this unified place, and now that he's gone, there's just so much infighting and 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 backstabbing that there's so much corruption to his to his vision and you've still got this emperor who stands like this beacon above all of it sort of navigating it um but it reminded me of that in 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 a way um they talk about a couple of his big battles the battle of blood pine woods was a good one where they bring in now it's it's nice how they just they 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 just subtly bring in Oh, and by the way, yeah, we have these uh, demigriffs. You know, they they just quietly mention them in here. We've been holding them back all along. Yeah. You yeah. know, they got all this forest area out there. It's kind of dangerous, and, you know, but they go out there and they, they get them, and they've been using them as part of the Imperial Zoo. Um, uh, they do talk about the third battle of Blackfire Pass, where the Mad Count of Averlin, Marius Leetdorf, gets killed. Yeah. Uh, this was a really, I, I, I really enjoyed this story. Uh, this one's on page 15. Uh, they send Ludwig Schwartzhelm to go, because Leetdorf is just, he is crazy. And he, uh, he, he leads, as it puts here, he's led nonsensical military campaigns after imaginary foes. For years, he had challenged the other counts, led nonsensical military campaigns after imaginary foes, and generally upset his neighbors. 
After his ruthless suppression in the infamous Halfling Rebellion in 2502, Karl Franz dispatched his dower champion Ludwig Schwarzhelm to hold robust negotiations with the eccentric Elector Count. The cheerless Schwarzhelm's orders were simple. He was to ensure that Litov's notoriously unpredictable behavior did not imperil the Empire any further. With some unsubtle guidance from Karl Franz through Schwarzhelm, he appointed new advisors to curb the worst of his excesses, and the Empire became fond of the eccentric Count. So you get this... Ludwig Schwartz, I'm going in there and just kicking heads in. Listen, you got to listen to these guys. You have a council that you have to listen to now because you're stark raving mad. And then the emperor starts to like the guy, actually. Um, He's the crazy uncle at the holidays. He is. And you always got to have somebody who likes him. Um, Once you took the keys away from him, he was fine. Everybody liked him. Exactly. <laughs> But then you Keep get all this, poisons out of his reach. You get this huge attack on Blackfire Pass, and he goes out there, and Carl uh, Franz goes out, and Marius Litorf is killed by the orc war boss Vorgaz Ironjaw. Carl um, Franz defeats him, um, but it was it was still pretty. It was a sad thing. Um, but the then, orcs seem to attack Blackfire Pass an awful lot. Uh, it's, it's a major attack way. You know, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's it rents it is, out for bar mitzvahs, <laughs> weddings, and invasions. It is the major pass through the yeah, it, through it, the world's edge mountains. So yeah, it just lets you in. Um, what I think is just really bizarre is then all of a sudden after the story of Blackfire Pass, you get the timeline, then you get the colleges of magic. They're talking about when Teclas came and formed the colleges of magic. It discusses each of the colleges of magic. Uh, I like the little bit about the Hall of Duels. Every eight years, any wizard is allowed to challenge the current uh, Supreme Patriarch in a supposed-to-be non-lethal magical duel, and if you win, you can be the Supreme Patriarch. Um, it's it's interesting. They give a little bit about each of the orders of the, each of the colleges and what the college looks like and what their symbol is and what it means. I like that a lot. Uh, next talks about the different settlements and cities of the empire, how each of them are really their own state. And even though they're sort of unified, I mean, if you want to picture the empire as like, you know, Western Europe, you know, each, each city state is its own sort of country with its own traditions. And even though they are all unified under the emperor there, they don't always trust each other and they constantly bicker and stuff like this. They wear masks that make them look happy in front of the emperor. No. Let's see. Uh, they talk about the geography, which is really cool. But what's really bizarre is that after you get through all of this, you've got this little thing about how, and actually it's right before the Colleges of Magic. I think I accidentally skipped it. But, uh, yeah, it's the last sentence in the history part with Carl Friends. With rumors reaching the imperial court of vast northern armies mustering in the realm of chaos, the empire's darkest hour is about to arrive. Now, I spoke about this last episode or two episodes ago, how I'm looking forward to the fluff because they advanced the vampire counts story a little bit. They've advanced some of the other stories, um, you know, fleshed them out more. And then we get the empire book, which, which since the entire imperial, you know, history is done on the imperial timeline. I want to see the story advance. And they actually rolled the clock back on this. Um, the Storm of Chaos, which is the uh, was the supplement that I think came out right after 6th edition with Archeon, uh, uh, you know, Archeon from the 
uh, Warriors of Chaos. Before my time. Uh, well, yeah, sorry, cranky. But you've seen in the uh, six the what in the Warriors of Chaos book, Archaon, the uh, you know the chosen of chaos. He leads the ever chaos invasion. The ever chosen. That's it. Um, in fact, in the uh, in the Gotrek and Felix books, Gotrek is in the in the early stages of that battle. He he's in some of the battles, and then he gets knocked into a coma and wakes up after Archaon's uh, attack from the chaos wastes is is stopped. But I mean, this was a this was a in the past thing, you know. This thing had happened, so they actually has rolled the clock back a few years instead of moving it forward, and this hasn't happened yet. Um, I it might be partly because the the third battle for Black Fire Pass, the one where uh, Leetdorf gets killed, is supposedly the next uh, the next Black Library or not Black Library, the, the next Forge World book. So. Mm-hmm. A battle for Blackfire Pass, huh? Yeah, that's going to be the next Forge World book, apparently, from all the rumors. But I, I have to say, I, I even though the fluff was good and it was interesting and it's your typical Empire fluff, they almost took out more than they put in, uh, partly by rolling the clock back and partly by leaving out some of the other bits of fluff that didn't quite roll with... Uh, with Stuff that didn't make sense? That made sense. It just didn't roll with the new vision of the Empire, so... That's my fluff review, but it was a fun read. As a person who didn't have or has, you know, had stuff that was going before their time, what'd you think of it, Cranky? Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't read the fluff. Oh, you were being serious? Yeah, oh, I I'm going to read the fluff. I didn't get to it. Oh, uh, I had read the three Sigmar Black Library books, and I'm two thirds through the uh, the Felix and Gotrix. Yes, uh, novels. So, uh, you know, that's sort of my empire background. Okay. But uh, I haven't, you know, I was building a table. Oh, there you time go. to get to the book. Well, there, I, I, I gave you some of it, but it's it's still a good read. Quick um, question. Yes? Did you actually get to the rules portion of the book? Yeah. Shocking. I, I kind of went there first to look at what was going on, but if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, you know, we're doing it soup to nuts right now, so... Uh, all right, let's uh, let's. Why don't we take it uh, in uh, army order here? Let's start with. If you're following along at home in your book, folks, uh, we're going to be on page thirty with the army special rules. This is not a book club. Yes, it is. You should now turn the page. Beep. <laughs> yes, and I'm also a flying pig that likes sausage. Uh, no, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're a flying pig that likes sausage. Congratulations on being a flying pig. Uh, okay, so they went from parent units to calling them regimental units, and they have detachments. Um, detachments cannot be taken without a regiment to attach them to. Uh, they can be a minimum of five models to up to half the number of models in the regimental unit rounding up. They can purchase any equipment upgrades listed in their army list entries, but they may not include a standard bearer, musician, or unit champion. And the points cost of the detachment in any upgrades counts towards the points total of the same unit category as the regimental unit they are purchased with. Now, does as far as I can tell, did, when you said detachments cannot be taken without a regimental unit, does that mean you can't take militia unless you're using them as a detachment? That's the only... 
unit IC that has just the detachment special rule? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All the other ones in the list uh, have detachment and regimental units, so you can take them as either or. Free company militia are only a detachment, so they can only be taken and attached to a regimental unit. Uh, I thought that meant, like, uh, they free company militia cannot be a detachment to another unit of c- militia. No, they have to be a detachment to a regimental unit. That stinks. Well, I mean, you're not going to just take all free company militia. They're not all that good. So? The... the gave an empire already. Yeah. The free company militia uh, basically... They're actually more expensive than spearmen. Yeah, and they, they come with two hand weapons, which is where I guess that... But they have no armor, no anything. They're just... I mean, they're, these are... Okay, the, there's the military, and then once we've got all the military out, these are the people who it's like the just... farmers. Exactly. Grab a pitchfork or a stick. Or a torch. Or a torch and uh, get, get out here. Exactly. Or a polter. Now, the rules saying that the points cost have to go with the... Uh, from the same unit category as the regimental unit is purchased with is I believe there are only regimental unit outside of yeah if you great basically swords. if you attach them to great swords great swords are specials if you attach um, detachments to the great sword unit that counts towards your special limit it does not count towards your core limit so if you decide to attach I didn't know there was a limit for core no there well I mean there's a minimum so you said limit Okay, boy, you're going to be off the show in a minute. So uh, basically you can't throw a detachment of spearmen or halberdiers or any of the other things onto a unit of greatswords and have it count towards your core. That will suddenly count towards your specials. So, you know, I suppose that might deter you from taking something with your greatswords because they're crummy and you wouldn't want to waste all your special points, but... Well, I I think, you know, it's a shame that it does uh, come out of the special points. However, I'm hoping that this gets detachments or gives them new life because one of the reasons I'm sort of dabbling in reading historical wargaming rule systems is that you don't see a lot of the supporting type of maneuvering going on. You, you know, you, right. you set up the counter charges and the flank charges and that sort of stuff, but not really having units there to support another unit the way you would have historically. Yeah, so, I mean, and you can, but it's not its not something that's written into the rules, and it actually becomes kind of difficult having these guys here where it's part of the rules. Um, I think it's, it's a really neat rule, and um, I think the biggest problem is uh, the biggest problem that people had in seventh when they didn't use it was that people just attacked attacked the detachment, which they still can. Which they still can, right? Um, but now I think, and I sort of cut you off, but when you get down further on the page, the fact that the detachments now benefit from the regimental units, uh, you know, frenzy, hatred, hold the line, stubborn, the steadfast, yeah. that sort of stuff is really. Um, well, and I think that's why one of the reasons you saw the point increase instead of decrease is because you get this bonus. Now, people will argue, um, well, but they're still detachments and they still suck. Or people will just attack the detachments. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Um, one of the things that this rule lost, which is interesting, is it uh, used to be that when you would counter charge, 
uh, if someone charged and you countercharged with a detachment, it automatically went into the flank. Uh, they no longer have that. And people have been complaining about that. Oh, it sucks now because I don't want them to go to the front. I don't want, you know, the whole point of them getting in the flank is to get the flank charge. Uh, obviously, here, if you get a couple of ranks, you can disrupt them and take away their rank bonus. Um, but here, I was talking about this with Christopher. And uh, if you would charge me and I've got a five-man wide unit, I've got great swords, let's say, and they're 20, you know, I got a unit of 30, but I've only got them five wide, or a unit of 20, I got them five wide, four deep, and I have a small detachment on my left or my right. If you attach me with a horde, okay, and you hit, and, the, you know, the way you get in, um, most of your, you know, I'm hitting the, the six guys off to the one side, and the, the, all the excess guys are on one side of my unit. If the counter charge happens there, suddenly these guys are doing... You know, they're doing an end around to get to the flank, first of all. And on top of that, suddenly, I could use that to my advantage. I could literally pull that unit more than three inches away from the parent. And if I do that, then suddenly they don't get any of his bonuses. Because you still got to be within three inches of, of, the, of the regimental unit to get the bonuses. Yeah, but three inches is going to be... That's three 25-millimeter bases. bases. Right, so and so I can completely pull you out if you're five wide and I'm ten, and by maximizing, I've got one guy off the corner to your right side, and then four guys off the corner to your left side. Or what if I've got, say, oh, I don't know, Warriors of Chaos in a horde? Right. I hit yep. you there, and now I'm only four wide on your five, and I've got five guys off on the edge. I've I've completely pulled your unit apart, so it it wouldn't necessarily work under eighth edition rules to guarantee them in the flank. Um, you also you want to keep them almost perfectly, um, you know, like about two and three two and three quarter inches back from the front of your unit and two and three quarter inches away from the unit, so that if they do line up evenly, and you draw that forty five degree angle for line of sight that most of your detachment is in their flank arc if it all lines up properly. There's a, basically, there's a lot of fiddly, finicky, getting them in the exact right position compared to the, the, the regimental unit. Which, you right, know, but in, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as easy to do it as it might have been in the last edition uh, of the book, but it you know, hey, you know, it, it's going to take practice, but it's not something that can't be done. Is it difficult? Does it does it take a lot of time? Yes, but man, it could really pay off. Exactly, and that's where the 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 buffs flowing from the regimental unit to the detachments, I think, really makes it worth the the fudging. Exactly, the fiddling. Exactly, it's it 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 really can it really can uh, you know save the day, especially if you've got a huge. I mean, even if you've got a horde, if you've got a little unit that's only five wide next to it, you keep it off on the side. You make sure that you can that that you know the guys the way it's set up. I mean, it's it's going to take a lot more maneuvering. Um, I kind of I kind of like it, and I like it in a way that uh, I think, especially people who have complained that you know seventh edition there was so you know positioning your unit was so much more important. There was less random. It was this that and the other. Now every you know everyone's just rolling for this that and the other. This is a this is an army where if you're into that precision distances and 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 looking where everything is, these detachments can be devastating if you know 
if what you're you, doing. Yeah, I mean, you can still measure out and make sure they're the exact distance, but you've got to have those things really just together exactly where they need to be uh, in order to make it work, which is difficult. But uh, once again, like you like like you said, the payoff is can actually be fantastic. Yeah, so. I mean, think about the the steadfast. Oh yeah. I mean, I wonder how they mean with that going from the regimental unit to the detachment. But if the regimental unit, you know, you do that deep is steadfast, you know, you, your detachments will end up being steadfast, steadfast, <laughs> and probably the effect, you know, equivalent of cold blooded with the hold, with the your hold line. the line exactly. So it's like okay, yeah, so yeah, it didn't go the way we thought. You got the flank charge in. You got more ranks than me. I'm still rolling on my unmodified um, uh, leadership three dice. Right. So um, you didn't kill me completely, and I'm still here. Yeah. So there's. I mean, I think. I think there's a lot of potential. I think. Uh, and now, I think. I think you and I are both uh, talking kind of from a non-tournament necessarily perspective. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that in tournaments you're going to see lots of detachments. Um, because it is a little fiddly, and it is it is something that maybe if you're optimizing, you don't want to have to deal with. But well, but you you can still elect to run them off on their own. Yeah, and then you got to fill up your core. Well, that's true because they just even though they're they can move away, can't they? Yeah, they must be deployed, deployed. at the same time as the regiment with at least one model within three inches. So it'll help you get the plus one. They're trained to support the unit. If they, oh yeah, they just they have to. Remain, it doesn't say they have to stay with them the whole game. So yeah, I mean, I suppose that you can just run them off on their own if you need to. Yeah. Ryan, go do this job. Come back. in <laughs> sixty. What? Stop it, Harrison. So, um, like I said, overall, I'm giving the detachment rules a thumbs up. I think they've gotten better than they were. Um. And the things that they lost, like the automatic flank charge, uh, they lost but just due to basic rules necessity. You had to lose it. Right. It, it wouldn't. It just and, wouldn't and, work. And they lost the supporting charge, but because of the new eighth edition, and I, I'm only been an eighth edition player, but because of the longer charge ranges, you didn't need that. Because in seventh edition, you could be well. Yeah, I want to do a supporting charge, but I, I'm out of range. It's not possible for me to charge because right. I'm more than uh, six inches, eight inches, whatever it is, away. Uh, I guess eight inches. It's not dwarfs. Um, but now you can still just do a regular charge. So you didn't quite need the supporting charge special rule. Now. Oh, that's right. Okay. Makes a, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm looking over the uh, rules in case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about here. The old rule was that in its own movement phase, a detachment in close support may make a supporting charge by hitting the flank of an enemy unit charged in the front of the year by the parent unit. Declare the supporting charge when you declare the charge of the parent unit. If the charge of the parent unit does not hit its target, for some reason the detachment does not charge either and may not move further nor shoot that turn. After the parent unit has been brought into contact with the target unit and after all other charges have been moved, but before remaining moves, the detachment is moved into contact with the same target. So, yeah, they did lose that. But it's like you said, um, that supporting charge. And it was automatically a flank charge again. I mean, you can just declare the charge with them now, can't you? I mean, yeah. 
And, you know, it, it's the same thing. You've got to be maneuvered in such a way. I guess you're less like – because when you're charging, it's a further arc out. Right. So you're less likely to get the flank charge unless you had your detachments further out so you weren't getting the buffs, but you were planning on being able to flank charge. It's a, You're making a choice of we're moving the detar- detachments further out so that we're more likely to get the flank charge if we charge. We're definitely going to get it if they charge, but – if they charge, we're not going to get our buffs if they charge our detachments. Oh, you know what? I haven't even really thought of it that way because I just haven't been thinking of detachments as something that would leave. So you deploy with your regiment and the the, the two de- – let's say you have two detachments. So let's say you're a really fancy unit. So you've got one on your left and one on your right. They all deploy together, and the one on the left and the one on the right break left and right and don't stick with you. And then right. they come in, and when they charge, suddenly they're back within three inches of the parent unit – so they're getting all of its bonuses. Oh, hey. That's, I mean, I mean that would take a lot of maneuvering, especially because the models are relatively cheap. I mean, most of your core is under seven, or seven points or less, I think. Um, yeah, wow, I never thought about that. I never thought about having them leave and then just come back, and they would just be attached. I just kept thinking right. of them as... Well, now, and, now, and now think about it. Okay, so you, let's say you're in, within three with the buff, but they decide to charge your detachment. Right. Okay, but now, because of the rules for detachments, unless you kill them outright, they're steadfast, which means the unit that you didn't want to even charge is about to flank charge you because you're held in place by my steadfast spearman or whatever the heck you have out there. Yeah. Um. So there's uh, steadfast and probably, if I mean, I'm assuming everybody's going to be building it so their units get to hold the line um, special rule, which sure. we'll get to. Well, yeah, uh, you know, why don't we hit that real quick because we've mentioned it only half a dozen times and it's only about a page and a half up. Where is that? 32. Rule? 32. All right. That's under Commander uh, of the I'll Empire. read it. Sure. Dramatic reading. Ooh. Uh, hold the line. While a character with this special rule is in a unit, the unit rules 3d6 for any break test it is required to take and uses the two lowest scores. And this is under commanders of the empire. So it's for your generals of the empire or a captain of the empire. They have that special rule. Uh, and it's it, basically it cold-blooded. In some other, are, there, are there any – well, special characters, some of them have that special rule. And are, are there any regular – characters that have that rule? I don't uh, think so. Let's see. Roll through it. Um, hold the line. Hold, I don't see it. Uh, Captain of the Empire. That's about it. Yeah, and then your special characters. Yeah. So, um, and captains are dirt cheap. I mean, they're 60 points naked, and I know that they need some upgrades, but you could literally put these guys into any unit you really want to make sure that they're going to stay. I mean, making them cold-blooded is uh, that's basically what it is. It's the same rule as the lizard men. Um, the well, and, and here's the thing: if you want to run them, I mean, think of the, the possibilities. You want to run them relatively naked for some reason. All right. Well, then you have your two detachments in front of the regimental unit, not on the sides, but literally in the front. So now you've got to work your way through whatever you're using as detachments. They're cold blooded before you get to my naked captain of the empire. Um, if you don't, if you don't want to spend the points, uh, or you don't have them, so you get a, a small detachment, a cheap, you know, the five point, uh, your five point uh, spearman. You put them in front. They're getting the same as long as one model is within three inches. They're getting the bonus. 
you're you are for even the ten of them for fifty points. You're whittling down that unit that's coming at you, and then if they don't break them on the charge, they wipe out a bunch of them. There's an open spot for you to attack with this other unit and hit them again on the charge. Get the charge bonus. Get all these other bonuses. There's a wow. There's a whole bunch of different ways to come at this that I hadn't thought of. I'm liking and I think, this and I more think and more. That's really interesting. It's sort of bringing a taste of you know historical war gaming to you know Warhammer. Yeah. Uh, with this, you know, because you're thinking about supporting units a lot more uh, literally. Because I mean, and it's like it's it's a whole different level of tactics because they're not just these guys who sit on the side and get charged. I can move them in the front. I can keep them I can have them run off way off to the sides where they're not necessarily going to be noticed. And then bring them back because they don't have to stay there. Dude, that's Dude, I like this. I think I like that a lot. I I really do. Yeah, it, it's really it's the I think the first couple of times when they try the old tactic of charge the detachment and then they realize, oh, now no, the here's detachment the thing. is steadfast, and I well, didn't wipe it out. It does. Are you steadfast if you're not in combat? I wonder if my regimental units got eight ranks, but they're not in, touching anybody. So, are they steadfast or not? Does it does it, the that, regimental? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that needs. I think we found an FAQ. <laughs> well, what's really interesting is. I think the what where it's needed more is if one unit deta- charges my detachment uh-huh. and the other unit charges the regimental unit. So the okay. regimental unit is steadfast against a completely in a completely different combat. You know, um, it, it oh, rules is written. It flows. Well, yeah. Well, I'm it, steadfast. Of course, true. what happens if you win combat? And it's a separate. Here we go. Oh God! Now, no, oh, Jesus, cranky! You're making it even harder. <laughs> well, you know, why would I, I, want I to have be no idea how that would work? Um, that's what I'm thinking. That. Uh, and here's the thing: you don't have to lose combat to be steadfast. A a unit is considered steadfast if it has more ranks than its enemy. Oh, that's. True. Let's look at the exact wording of the steadfast rule here. Yeah, a unit is considered steadfast if it has more ranks than its enemy. So we do have a bunch of questions, I guess, for exactly how this works. Ugh. I don't know. Anyway, we'll move on to something you do know. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was really cool, but now you've well, you've made our heads hurt. See, this is what happens when you put a lawyer's mind onto this. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Don't be sorry for being a lawyer. Um, I just love it when people start talking about, you know, the rules and how they're written, and then you have to construe it this way, and I'm screaming into my radio going, that's exactly how you can't construe that playing language. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, no. Outside of the now the bizarre rules questions that have just come up, um, I think in general the idea of – the detachments has become better than it was. Uh, it yes. works, and I think it's become better. If it, if it it has succeeded, if you see more Empire players using it, and I hope you that will. will be the test. And I think some of the cool, but I mean, some of the cool things you declared that you that you talked about running them way off to the flanks, 
sort of hiding them out to have them show up later. Um, almost like in Braveheart where they had guys hidden off behind the hills and off to the sides, just saving them because they knew that what was going to happen. They want to bring them in later. I, I think that's that really is nice. And throwing a, a cheap 50-point detachment, using them almost as chaff. They don't have to run as far as a... They don't have to run as far as a saber tusk or as a dire wolf to redirect. If I can run them and just keep them at a weird angle in front of my unit so that if you hit it, you're going to, you may not beat it, but I'm going to turn you enough where I now have your flank. Yep. So there's, yeah, there's all sorts of new tactics you can try with these detachments. Um, and I, I could really picture someone getting very good with the detachments and using them in the right way. Um, to really mess their opponent up and not having to just run out an eagle or a dog or something that moves eight. So you can move it way off and, 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 and misalign them. You could misalign them relative at relative close, you know, close quarters. I mean, you could even say, you know, if that detachment can hold for that one turn on its own by keeping them in front, like you said, giving you the opportunity then in to make the flank charge with your huge unit, which is guaranteeing the disruption, the flank, and and you know, it's maybe even stopping their steadfast. They're going right. to get less attacks back. You are going to chop into them. You, they don't get a parry savior. Oh man, man! And, and the the other thing is, is I can see them being used as a big bunker to the rear of a regimental unit, where you don't care if they ever get into combat or not. But you're getting all these free buffs by having them close to the regimental unit. Um, and if you you can have them far enough back where you can still get the if you put them in you know the uh, hand gunners or you know somebody that can stand and shoot uh, you know you can have them being used for the purpose of a bunker and providing uh, you know f- close fire support to your regimental unit and keep some wizards back there that you'd never want to get close to combat. Um, but they're so far back that go ahead and charge them because you just moved whatever the heck that was so far out of position. Yeah. I mean, it can only be half the size of the parent unit, so it's never going to be a huge bunker to hide something well, unless you've got a horde. Cheap. You figure that yeah. the, a decent-sized regimental unit is going to be 30 or more. Okay. And so, yeah, you keep it about – you can get it up to 15, I suppose. Yeah. That's – wow. That's pretty cool. That's, that's 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 some good thinking there, Mister Cranky. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, next, uh, before we move along, the Imperial Armory is here. The Mechanical Steed is still here. It's a war beast, which means war beasts fear fire, don't they? War beasts have fear of anything that's flaming. So your mechanical, your robot horse is afraid of fire. Well, you know, it'll ruin the paint job. <laughs> Uh, it's got, uh, D3 impact hits, though. Uh, you roll a D6 for each mechanical steed at the start of each of your movement phases. On a 2 to 6, it's fine. On a 1, um, it deducts D3 from its movement characteristic of 7 for the rest of the game to a minimum of 1. So if you roll multiple 1s on a mechanical steed, it turn by turn, it's going to slow down until it's moving only 1, until its movement is 1, which is bad. But, uh... Its movement is one, but it can still charge 13. (laughs) 
Because them gears, when you pop it into overdrive, unless the guy's got fire, and then you got to make a fear check. Um, of course, a fear check doesn't mean as much. It's afraid of fire, so it might be weapon skill one. It is weapon skill one. Huh. Well, since it's already only weapon skill one, I guess fearing, failing a fear check means nothing. So there you go. Um, excellent. <laughs> All right, what a uh, full plate armor is still the same. It's basically four up armor save. The blunderbuss, a grenade launching blunderbuss. At 18 inch range, strength six, armor piercing, move or fire, and slow to fire, which means it's a minus 40 armor save. You can't move with it, but 18 inch minus 40 armor save isn't bad. The Hockland long rifle. Uh, 36 inch range, strength 4, armor piercing. It's also move or fire, slow to fire, but it has the sniper rule. Now, is that sniper the same or is that new? Uh, I think it had, well, it, you used, it, it used to be that you could pick characters out of units with it, but there was oh, no sniper yeah, rule. Yeah, the, the FAQ it gave it sniper. Yeah, the FAQ gave it sniper, exactly. Um, I think pigeon bombs have changed a little bit on the roll, um, this is one of these things that I love in theory. Like, I don't know that I would ever take it because they, they're completely unreliable. But um, pigeon bombs are really cool. Uh, on a five to six, it lands exactly where on the head of the target and it detonates. It's a small template. Strength four armor. Uh, every model touched by the template is strength four armor piercing. So the small template strength four armor piercing. The pigeon bomb... Now, granted, um, you got to nominate a model within 24 inches. It's got a 1 in 3 chance of hitting directly. Well, that's the same as a... Dude, this thing, actually, the pigeon bomb, is... uh, It's stronger than the mortar, even though... But it's a smaller template. It's a small template, strength 4 armor piercing. Everything under it is hit with a minus 3 armor save. Not... Bad. I don't know, but on a you got a fifty percent chance it does nothing, and a one in six chance that it's hitting you. Right. You still get a lookout, sir. Yeah, but still, I mean, if you're in a unit, it's going to hit that whole unit. It's still a template. Yeah. So it's risky, but uh, I, I don't know. I've always loved pigeon bombs. I just love the concept of pigeon bombs. So, um, what else? would you take one? You think? I love the concept the of them. Cost? What? What's the points cost? Let's see. They go with a master engineer. What would they cost? What would they cost? Pigeon, pigeon, pigeon. 20. 20 pigeon. points. Are they one use only? Uh, no. It doesn't say they're one use only. No. And, but what do you, you do? You use them instead of firing up? during the shooting phase. So instead of shooting your gun, you can... On a, yeah, but you've given up. Now you can take the Hawkland long rifle, you know, which is twenty points, and then you can sniper a guy. Yeah, I guess I suppose if you don't, I I, I could use see, that. Yeah, twenty four. No, but here's the thing: template. I wouldn't take it. You know why? Those master engineers are going to be giving up their shooting attack, right? Right. To help out the war machines. Oh, they so lose their shooting attack I'm to go. Not, don't you have to give that up? If it's not fleeing, cannot shoot, use a special rule, and shoot with his own missile weapons. Yeah, so that's why I wouldn't take it because 
I'm going to be helping the war machines if I'm a master engineer. You're right. You're right. Um, of course, for well, for 65 points, that, yeah, that suddenly becomes 85 points. Yeah, you're taking you're almost increasing the cost of the model by a third. Well, I mean, I could see if you were playing. I mean, if you wanted to play something a little crazy, taking an extra one of these guys, giving him this, and not putting him with you know, have one with a war machine, but you could conceivably put one with a unit. Um, six turns of him firing this, then by you know by by the math hammer, twice you're going to hit directly on the head of whatever you choose, which could be a character with a strength four armor piercing template. Yeah, three. Well, no, there's a one in three chance of it hitting. It only hits on a five or a six. Oh, five, it's not four, five, six. There no. You okay, we'll go with your two then. Yeah. We'll so, go with the math answer. It, it could. <laughs> okay. You and your math. As Yeah, me and, it's, it must be the new math I'm doing. Um, well, you're the teacher. Yeah, you know. there you go. The state of Illinois says I'm right. Um of course, well, whatever. We won't get into that. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, the fluff player in me loves the concept of pigeon bombs, and I think if I were playing an Empire Army, every once in a while I would throw in an extra Master Engineer and just not put him with the War Machines and just let him go out there and throw pigeon bombs. Well, wait a minute. Wait, you want to do the math hammer? Let's do the math hammer. Okay. Think about it. How much, you gonna, how much is your BSB going to cost you? Uh, I don't know. Um, Think roughly. Uh, what is he? Who can be the standard bearer? It has to be. Who can be the BSB? Captain. Is it a captain who can be the BSB? Lords, heroes. Ye- yes, captain or a special character. So the captain. So that's how much is it? Or captain, captain. So sixty, 60 plus 85. 85 for a BSB. Plus, um, so let's call it a hundred, with decent magic items. You're gonna at least, put, yeah. at least, at least a hundred. Well, at least a hundred because you're going to give him. He comes with light armor. You're going to put him in probably full plate for six. So you're looking at ninety one. All right, all right. So, so let's yeah, call it about a hundred plus any magic items you may give him or a magic standard. Okay, so the, in a six fifty in a in a four twenty four hundred game that uh, leaves you with three hundred and fifty. No. If you're playing four hundred fifty like, left, four hundred fifty yeah. left. Yeah. All right. So how many of these eighty-five point guys? Think about it. If you maxed them out, uh, that's kind it? of a lot of points. But you could take probably three or four of them. No, more than that. Four fifty divided by eighty-five. You could take five. Ugh. So imagine doing five of those pigeon bombs, twenty-four inches. So uh, you're you're hitting two or three a turn. <laughs> <laughs> You're hitting yeah two. Uh, you got five of them. You're hitting one or two of them. Should be hitting every turn, right? Uh, and against someone with a low armor save, say well, strength. It's strength four armor. Is it armor, armor piercing? Yeah, strength four yeah, armor so piercing. So getting... against well, it's a it's a it's a missile attack. So white lions would get a bonus against it. But your sword masters five up armor save would be negated. Everyone underneath it takes a strength four uh, hit. So you're wounding on threes, and then you just take them off. Your orcs, your basic orcs, anyone with light armor and a shield, your strength four, your wounding on fours, take it off. (laughs) The downside is you'd have to spread them out, though. Oh, sure. So that when you roll that one. But you could, I'm just saying, you could soften them up. I just, I don't know. No, I meant you'd have to spread out. You couldn't stick them in one unit. Oh, no. Because if you roll that one, you're killing 
your unit. Yeah, and you're killing the. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, uh, a one is. If you have six of them, then on every turn, two should hit, and one guy should blow himself up. Oh Lord, maybe it's not worth taking them. But uh, well, you wanted to do something crazy with them. <laughs> that's take it to the final level. There you go. I, it could be fun. I'm telling you right now. When when Morgan starts playing and we start getting her empire bits and pieces, and I, you know, we're playing, she'll take pigeon bombs because she just thinks the concept of strapping a bomb to a pigeon and letting now, it go would be funny. My Kira is roughly Morgan's age, I think. Okay, how old? Uh, she is nine. Okay, and Kira is nine, and she said to me two weeks ago, she says, "Daddy, when I turn ten, can I start playing Warhammer 2? Oh, see, I'm so happy. Ew. Isn't it and great when your daughter asks too? Hmm. I mean, I knew the boy would want to play, but when Morgan wanted to play, that was just like, yes, I got the daughter too. Excellent. But uh, um, I told her she can play as soon as she can. Uh, well, she can already read the books, but yeah. I said she has to be able to do enough math to write her own army lists. Once she can do that, I'll let her play. I don't care how yeah. old she is. Um, okay, so pigeon. <laughs> we've done the pigeon bombs to death. Um, repeater handgun, 24-inch range, strength 4. Armor piercing, move or fire, multiple shots, three. So that's that's another nice one. They've got the repeater pistol, same thing, except it's quick to fire. So the repeater pistol only got a 12-inch range, but you can stand and shoot with it. Well, um, and that's what you've got to put in your... you got to equip one of your characters with that so that your 24-inch uh, weapons will be at short range when you stand and shoot. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, brace of pistols, uh, same basically as everything else. Extra attack on foot and close combat and requires two hands to shoot both of them, obviously. And um, they are armor piercing. Multiple shots, four, because they can each take two shots. And they're quick to fire. So the brace of pistols is really nice. I thought the brace of pistols was essentially a regular pistol and the repeater pistol. So it is, here. yeah. Right, so. So, um that's it for the uh, Imperial Armory. If a game is only as good as the person who plays it, then the best games can be found at Unique Gifts and Games. Collectible and classic card games, board games, RPGs, tabletop miniatures, hobby tools, and more all found within. And so is an amazing community of fellow gamers, as well as dedicated gaming tables, terrain, and a library of open games to try. It's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. And we're back. Back. Back from the dead. Yeah, okay, folks, uh, we were just with Cranky, and then we might have even had a very weird commercial break just now, um, but it's Monday. It was Saturday, and now that was a 53-hour commercial break for us on this side of the pond, or the, the, the internet pond. For the lake, I suppose. Yeah. The lake, the sea of time. But Christopher was sick, and now Christopher is here. I do apologize, guys, for the uh, strange transgressions within the show. I did unfortunately have a uh, a little problem. I couldn't I couldn't get through the show on Saturday, so here we are. Yeah. Um, so we kind of cut it and we stopped so that Christopher could come on because we didn't want to do the whole Empire review without him. 
Uh, but now Cranky's busy. So we don't have Cranky. We may have him later, but I really don't know. I'm hoping. So, um, well, we're going to get on with the Empire book. Now, what Christopher missed besides mine and Cranky's long talk about the painting thing was the detachments. Well, it sounds like um, it sounds like there are some questions to resolve. I don't know if we necessarily want to dive back into it right now, but it might be something we want to review in later shows. But well, let's review it now, and we'll see how I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, basically to recap, you know, Cranky had brought up the whole idea of just keeping them to the left or the right of your unit is not ex- actually the the best use of it. You know, because um, they are going to get countercharged. Keep them behind in case you think someone's going to run gutter runners up behind you. Uh, keep them in the front. Move them in front of your actual the regimental unit. Well, they make great speed bumps. Yeah, as and, a speed um, bump, or to you don't have a fast redirector. This this army doesn't have the uh, uh, a saber tusk or an eagle or a dog. No, no but re- <clears throat> excuse me, detachments change the rules of how many uh, models have to be in a unit. You Most of the time five. it's 10, but in case of a reg- uh, detachment, it's only five, right? So that's very, very cheap. And they don't have to stay with the regiment. They can just, for 25 points, they can just run off on their own and become their own speed bump. And they're going to be sharing the psychology of the regimental unit. So if they happen to be built off of uh, sword, so, what are they called, great swords? Yep. They're going to be stubborn. If, if, they're, they, if they're close enough. If they're close enough. But if they are built off of, say, for example, a warrior priest, they're going to have hatred. If they're built off of a captain or a general, they're going to have hold the line. Exactly. And if you do move them up in front of the unit at a weird angle, they get attacked. Even if they get beat through, you've moved. You can move them out of sequence, maybe not way up far ahead of you, but you can really use them. And now suddenly it's back within three inches of the regiment, and it's getting all the regiment bonuses. It doesn't. It's not like as soon as it leaves, it it loses it when it leaves, but it gets it back when it comes back. Sure. So you can almost have them kind of skirmish off the side. You guys go over there, and if we get it charged, you wait, and then come flying in later. There's also. I'm. I'm really. I, I know you were out of it. I well, I don't. I couldn't. I, the cans weren't on at that point, so oh, I, I know. couldn't hear what Cranky was saying, and I wasn't listening anyway. I couldn't exactly. I couldn't. But what the listeners are probably hearing, which you didn't hear. Um, is just, I was so excited about these rules. I'm like, well, this is a lot. There's a lot of potential here for some really... Well, I think that people are going to take advantage of it. I think that there are a few uses for it, not the least of which is just to have a few throwaway speed bumps. Take, take a unit of five, throw it into the mangler. Mangler's gone. Your five guys are gone, and it costs you nothing. That's right, because you could take... It has to, it's a minimum of five, mm-hmm. and the normal small, size for these units is ten. Small elements to keep in mind is the regiment that the detachment is built off of, that's the the unit category type that you have to spend them off of. What I mean by that is, let's say you buy. Uh, well, there's great, only yeah, there's only one, and that's great swords. Right, great swords. In which case, if you buy them off of great swords, whatever that detachment is counts as a uh, special. special unit. And that's that's the only detail you have to pay in mind. Right, but uh, but it's worth it. Yeah, this is, I, I'm I'm I, I like I said, folks. I know you you're probably just hearing me say this five minutes ago, but Chris didn't, and it's two days later. The whole detachment yeah, I, I am sorry me. about the confusion, and, guys. And, and, yeah, don't apologize. And I, I, I said I keep bringing it up, but it's only because we didn't get a chance to talk about this. I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited about the potential. I never saw the potential for these things in the detachments. I had that sort of flat idea of I'm going to take up, to, you know. Well, seventh edition didn't need the throwaway units quite as much. You still had them. You right. still had some fast cav, but in eighth edition, there are a lot of grenade units, especially with the orcs. And it's good to have some, you know, you still need redirectors. These guys aren't as good at redirecting, but they're definitely good at getting in the way. But I've also thought about it. It's like you can take up to half. They keep saying up to half, up to half. I never thought of taking bare minimum 
I thought of taking as much as I can so they don't get killed. I keep thinking of it as a, even if I use them as a speed bump, I don't want them to get destroyed, so I'm going to take that up to half. Yeah, it's only going to be like 25 points. That's, I never thought of, yeah, you, five spearmen is 20, exactly. You said, and they can't take command. Right. So they're 25 points. So you have a 25-point chaff unit. If you take four, three or four core units, you can have up to eight Suddenly up to eight little chaff units. In fact, if anything, and this is very useful, but the downside of something like this is that you're going to have a big, fat army, and you're going to need to find a way to deploy it. I mean, you're actually going to have to practice how you're going to set your guys up on the table sometimes. I actually gave that some thought, and I'm thinking if there are, honestly, to be chaff, then they're going to be up on the 12-inch line, the two detachments, mm-hmm. within three and just, just under three inches behind them will be my main unit. So they're going to take off first and start moving around and getting in the way and maybe even take that turn of sitting back, let them run forward, especially if you're running an empire, if you're running a lot of artillery, let them run forward, leave your the regiment units where they are, and you move them forward while you're shelling to get them out in the way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's so much potential, so much potential. Um, also, while you were asleep, we did go through the Imperial Armory on page 31. Okay. Uh, we had a long conversation about pigeon bombs. About pigeon bombs? Yes, because I like them. In theory, I said. Yeah, it makes a it makes one of your characters into a small artillery piece. It's fun. It's fun to take. Then we discussed. We actually were joking around. He said, "How much would it be to take a BSB about 150 points?" He's like, "You could take. We could take five. You could take five master engineers and give them pigeon bombs and run them naked and just start throwing pigeon bombs I, and, everywhere. And you know what? It's it's that particular theme that I think makes up the Empire Army. You're going to spam something. Yep. This is a spam army. You're going to see a lot of something. Not, yep. You know, whether that be tons of war machines, tons of detachments, or tons of um, war pr- the priests. Running these guys out of units, three or four of them, and just pigeon bombing stuff, at least one or two... Just by the numbers, by the odds, you're going to hit with one or two. Run him out of the unit first because one of them is going to roll a one and mm-hmm. blow himself up. Yeah, when you play against the umpire, it's going to be, <laughs> did you enjoy what I just did? Because I'm going to be doing that to you about three more times. Unless, of course, I blow myself up. Right. <laughs> so uh, Mechanical steed, interesting, but I think a little bit ridiculous. I'm not sure that I would take it. Well, I mean, he's weapon skill one. He's initiative one. The actual machine itself, I like the you concept. You take it for the impact hits. Yeah, it's D3 impact hits. I... I uh, I, I like the unreliable rule. Well, I, I like it, but I don't want to field it. Well, right. I mean, I would if I was playing this, I would totally field one just for fun. I mean, for fluff and for fun. This is not something you're going to take to be competitive no. when uh, every time you roll a one, his movement starts to drop. Yeah. Because he starts breaking down. Because he's suck-ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you don't roll a one. I mean, well, it, yeah, that's you know, true. But I mean. Then he's running around with movement seven. I, I love the concept of the mechanical, the clockwork horse. It's a cool horse. The model is neat, but uh, yeah. The no. steam tank. It is, it is. I guess you were right when you said last episode, they, they do have a bit of a steampunk. That and wasn't so much, me. That was. No, you said it. Did we, I? Uh, when Chris if was I here. did, by then the headache had already set in. No, I, when Chris Yu was here, when we were talking on the painting episode, when we were doing, when we, the book hadn't come out yet, we were talking about it, and you said you sort of pictured uh, Empire as just guys, but now oh, they've got a bit yeah. of a steampunk. I see, what, I see what you're saying. And then yeah. you said that the only just plain old men is Bretonian, yes, really. Yes, I see what you're saying. I that, did say yeah. that. I just, uh, <laughs> the more I'm looking at this book, the more I like this book, and I, I'm really hoping Morgan can start writing up for our <laughs> Sooner rather than later, because this is looking like fun. Well, they still have some of the fa- the same fun toys they had before. The Hockland long rifle is just as good as it was. Same with yep. the repeater pistols. Repeater handguns are fine. Yep. 
Full plate is useful, uh, and you're going to make use of all of this. Uh, right. So that's uh, the special rules and the little bit of the Imperial Armory. Uh, why don't we get into uh, lords sure. and heroes? Well, the stereotypical lord would be the guy on foot, not the knight, so that would be the commander of the empire. Yep. Um, interesting thing to note about the commander of the empire is that he's the only lord with uh, three attacks, not four. Yes. Yeah, the general of the empire has three attacks. Uh, he does come with just uh, just light armor. So at 95 points, he's cheap, but you are going to... You're probably going to put him in full plate, which makes him 104. Uh, and then you're going to give him an extra weapon of some sort mm-hmm. or... Well, I think, I think the main reason to take this guy, more than the fighting ability, is that one rule. Hold the line. Yeah. That's the reason to take this guy. Makes that unit cold-blooded. The unit he's with is cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. And with a leadership of nine and cold-blooded, you know how well a slan holds up. Yeah. So... No, he's it's it's I I like I like it a lot. It's a different feel of for uh, for the psychology and the leadership game. You know, like lizard men across the board, they just don't run. Um, certain armies don't suffer psychology at all. In this particular case, it means this one unit is a is stalwart. They're not going to go anywhere. But I like that. I think thematically, it's cool. You have a leader in here who you trust. I mean, in every, watch any old, you know, like watch like the the Sharp series. You know, yeah. Or that you get that leader who you trust. Hold, man, we will hold. And it's very imperial. It does <laughs> feel like what you'd imagine. Exactly. I mean, steady literally. boys like guys with like you know stand firm or hold fast written on their knuckles, like in that master and commander. Exactly. It's got that 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 concept. Of, I mean, literally, of hold the line. You will not run. We will stand mm-hmm. here. And they listen to him. It's probably because of his big beard. I think. <laughs> I like the. I think you're right. It's the beard. It, it's <laughs> got to be the shoes. It ain't the shoes, man. Dude, I'm telling you, I love the drawings of the in this book. I really love the artwork with the big, the giant handlebar mustaches and the and the big bushy beards that the leaders have and stuff. They do make me want to grow back my beard or my mustache. Oh, and can I say something else real quick but as far as the artwork goes in this book? Why, sure. Uh, I really, the more I look through this book, the more I like the artwork. I oh, at least for this book. Yeah. It definitely deserves I, a Renaissance art feel, which is what the art looks like in this book. I didn't mind the John Blanche stuff in the VC book because it's some of undead. it makes sense. There's a certain madness to his to his art yeah. artistry because it it almost seems like it's drawn with a shaky hand. I understand it in the Demons book. I understand it in the VC. Uh, a lot of that uh, Imperial Gothic that you get from 40K. Mm-hmm. I'm glad though it's not in this one because this has this sort of Rubenesque sort of artwork to it that really sort of captures the, I think, the essence of the Empire. Well, I, mean, I agree with you. Total sidetrack. Yeah. No, just, I agree with you. Yeah. I think you're right. Alright, so we like the General of the Empire, though. I do. I can't say that there's any particular bill that, like, astounds me. I mean, he's he's already going to be have hold the line. He's got a leadership of nine, and that's, that's the best tool you've got right there. He's right. not going to be an amazing fighter. In fact, he only has a weapon skill of five, and that's for the Lord. Yeah. It's not very good. I mean, there are, some, there are some elite elves that have a higher leadership than him, and they're troops. So oh, he's oh, yeah, with the weapon skill and ballistic skill, yeah. yeah I mean, he's strength, toughness, four. I mean, but for for a human, he's really good. He's good. He's good. I mean, this guy would actually do just as well to give him one of those grenade-launching blunderbusses or a sniper rifle. I mean, that's probably as good of a use for him as giving him a sword. Yeah. You know, with only three attacks. But um, I think that you're going to see some generals because they're so cheap, and you're going to see a ton of the hero levels. Oh, yeah. Because well, you can take this general. Let's see. 
like I said, if we if we give him full plate and a shield and some other stuff, he's still clocking in at about one fifteen, and he can take a hundred points of stuff. But you can take him, and you could totally take a battle wizard at level four. Well, that's one of the advantages of being the umpire. I mean, just to go the other direction, I'm starting to get the impression that your VC and my chaos dwarves are some of the most expensive armies in the game to a point. In my case, unless I take hobgoblins. I've got like maybe five deployments, six deployments. These guys, I mean, I can afford three heroes or three characters, and that's it. These guys can take like twice as many. No oh, sweat. No, yeah, exactly. Two lords. My my lord usually clocks it. He's at like two hundred and sixty-five naked, and that's you know. Yeah, if you're one of these weirdos who wants to take no magic, then you could take two generals of the empire. And oh, pick easily. One, yeah, yeah. Pick one as your actual general, general, and have another one in there. Um. You know, well, that's the funny thing is that you can actually conceive of building. I'm not sure it's the smart choice, but if you wanted to try it, there might be a build out there for a no official lore of Magic Empire army and just take your your priests, and yep. you probably do surprisingly well. Yeah, you know, uh, because you, you have totally so could. many of those those lore, those bound spells to cast. Right, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, you know, I mean, there's also I mean, the thing is, you the versatility of this army is amazing. Um, you can build what I mean. You could literally because they have core, you know, heavy cavalry too. You could have an all cavalry army with this army and get away. I with couldn't it. agree more. I actually think that there's something to be said for the cavalry in this game. Yeah, uh, especially right now. I you know I don't want to point out the meta too much, but I think that there's a big um, thanks to the ogre book, for example. There's a big drive toward monstrous cav and heavy infantry and that sort of right. thing. Cavalry can't be uh, doesn't suffer stop, exactly. and if you, you can go. deny somebody else who has impact hits their charge, you're halfway to winning that fight. Yep. So so no, I agree. I agree. Um, and we're I think we're, we're uh, we'll we'll visit the Empire special characters on a special character edition. That would be appropriate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because they they have a lot yes, of they them. Do. They have as many, if not more, than that uh, than the VC book. I'm uh, not the VC book. The uh, when we Demons covered Warriors of, Warriors of Chaos. Yeah. Because they have nine, I think, here. So I could probably brush past the Battle Wizards in two seconds. They're human beings. They have one attack. They're very weak, but they have extreme versatility on the magic lures. Um, the interesting thing about these guys is that for the Empire, apparently beasts, uh, celestial magic, which is the heavens, and um, uh, light magic, they get their own special options. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the heavens gets the hurricanum. Mm-hmm. The light gets the Luminarch of Hish, and if you put give him the Lord of Beast, you could put him on a Griffin. I suppose just to bring up the Griffin now, Griffin got tougher. I should say stronger, not tougher, stronger. Yeah. Uh, Griffin used to be a 5-5, five, five, I think, for strength and toughness. Now it's a 6-5, and it has options. Those eighth edition options. So Griffin's kind of a... He's a little scrapper now. Now, um, did they have the Blood Roar? In the, they didn't have Blood Roar in two that's, heads before, no, did they? No, that's all new. Okay, so he's flying. Large target causes terror. Enemy units must roll an additional D6, discarding the lowest for leadership test caused by this beast, fear, or terror special That's rules. a pretty good upgrade. I won't so, lie to you. That's pretty good. That's a neg- It's an anti... It's 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 not a cold blooded. I suppose it's a it's a hot blooded or yeah. you know fear fearful. Or, yeah, I mean basically it's. I mean for uh, twenty five points, <laughs> this Griffin comes riding in, and there's a good chance that they're not they're not fighting well against it at all. There's a good chance they're going to fail that fear check or that terror check. And the terror check, I mean, when you charge them, your average, I believe, becomes a nine on a 
on a panic test, on your leadership test. Yeah. When you roll three dice, drop the low, you should roll approximately a nine. So it's pretty good against elves. It's pretty good against goblins. I mean, you have to pick your army. If you're in a tournament, you're going to win some and lose some with those 25 points spent. But you're going to see some investment. You're going to see some payoff on that investment. If you can get someone who happens to have some units a little bit clumped together, remember if you got, when you charge, if you cause terror, that's the one time the terror does anything other than fear is they have to take a check to see if they flee. Oh, I would probably take this griffin, and at that point I would probably fly it as fly it in as fast as possible. The moment I can declare a charge, I would pick on something on the flank that's not being hit by the uh, by the BSB. Because if it fails yeah. and oh. it starts to run, suddenly that whole line can fall into disarray. That's right. You, you know, they cause the furthest one to the flank to run. Now you don't have to worry about it for a turn. Start on the next one. I wouldn't hold my breath on the whole chain reaction, but that would be the icing on the cake for sure. But even to, even to rob them for a turn of exactly. a unit is a big payoff. And it doesn't always happen, but I mean, I've been hearing about it lately actually on different podcasts quite a bit. This one breaks and suddenly, especially if you're playing a low leadership army. Well, there are certain situations where if you can catch them with their pants down, ogres don't have good leadership. And often they don't wear pants. No, that's not true. But uh, <laughs> Grant's one. Grant's butcher. He definitely doesn't wear pants. But I mean, they've got those those 21-point tigers. And yeah. if they're not near the BSB, they're going to run and keep running. Exactly. So that's a and very... Go- and they're gone. Yeah, that's one griffin that can just wipe out all of the expendable deployments without lifting a claw. Yep. Oh, and then you can also give him two heads for... How many points is that? It's 30 points. It gains a chomp attack in addition to the attack shown on its profile, which should be rolled for separately. It gets plus one to hit against models with the large target special rule. Not bad. It's an extra attack with, with a caveat if they're a large target. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's 30. It seems like a lot. I mean, 30 points seems like a lot for a plus one to hit against a large target with one extra attack. You'd be you're paying for the extra attack, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Weapon skill five, strength six. I suppose you are. It just I don't know that one. That one doesn't impress me all that much. But the, the uh, blood roar. I mean, if you're going to pay all that points for the Griffin, I could see buying the blood roar. Yeah, I, I'll bluster and no glory, but I think that it would do well against weak willed opponents. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go to, we'll, when we get to the rares. We'll talk about the Hurricanum and the uh, Luminarch because. I mean, they're they're going to need a little time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I don't think that they deserve as much hubbub as they've gotten in terms of, like, some people are worried, oh, my God, the game's broken. Holy cow. Two Hurricanums. That's the end of the world. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I think it's actually kind of balanced. It's a little fragile. It's, and it's, to get it off, you're going to need some dice to get I'd, it off. I'd say it's a lot fragile. Yeah. I mean, when you consider what you're paying for it, it's a chariot, five wounds, five toughness. It's tough as far as... That goes, but it's not tougher than a cannon. It's not tougher than a stone thrower. Nope. And the armor and the ward save isn't really enough to protect it. True. So I'd say it's it's something you expect to have taken off the board, but it buys you a turn with something else that you prioritize higher. There you go. I consider it ablative armor for something I like more. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. So let's take a look at what's next, our Arch Lector. Arch Lector. I think we skipped a Master Engineer along the way. Oh no, he. No, he's oh, a hero you're going level. from the back of the book. Yeah, I'm just looking at the lords. Oh, fair uh, enough. Yeah, uh, Archlector. They've gotten. Uh, they have changed the rules for. Um. Well, everything basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they now channel. They don't just automatically get power dice or dispel dice. Um, they can channel power and dispel dice, but they don't. 
Uh, page 36, Warrior Priests. Um, and I, I kind of like that. I think that is in in the new in in this edition of the game. They used to just get it, but you you know everybody got extra dice. All your you know wizards just got extra dice. Um, it means that you're going to be channeling like crazy. Yeah. So you'll see some investment. You're see uh, some you'll see some payoff. Yeah. But I, as I was just, I, I guess my point was, it is it is very rare to get anything that just hands you extra dice. Um, good. Yeah. I mean, because with the 12 dice limit and all that stuff, I, the only people really who still get it now, I think just automatically are, are the dwarfs get automatic extra dice for their characters. Um, but I don't have a problem with that and not because I'm playing dwarfs. I don't have a problem with that because well, I don't know sense. that they should be channeling magic per se. Um, they're dwarves, you know, they just... They don't do a lot of magic. They just they get extra. They have inherent resistance. It makes and, sense. And yeah. these guys channel on both sides. Dwarves don't channel power. They just get inherent, like you said, inherent resistance. Um, but most of this has stuff has gone away. And, and if you are going to get free dice, you pay out the nose. I mean, I know my VC have two things that can give you extra dice. Well, in my opinion, was the old empire. They could potentially go very far out of control with the seventh edition book in the eighth edition world. Yeah, you you just got a lot for very little. You get a, yeah, you get a lot of those extra power dispelled. Uh, so this was an attempt to sort of balance things out, but you still get a lot with these guys. For one thing, they benefit the unit they're in with hatred. Uh huh. You throw this guy into a regiment; the detachments have hatred. Yep. Uh, generally, good leadership. In fact, the lord has a leadership of nine, just like the captain. Yeah. So if you have an archlector as your, you know, main lord character, although I don't know why you wouldn't have more than one, but. I mean, that's still a leadership nine. Is a ge- you're going to have a general with a leadership nine, unless the only character you take from the Lord level is a level four wizard. You know, you're going to have a a leadership nine general, which is nice. Well, you're probably going to have a level four wizard, but I mean, there are so many builds. The question is, do you take? What well, I'm saying that's probably not the only Lord level character you're going to take. That's that's the choice you have to make as an Empire general. Is I'm going to guess that the majority of players are going to go for the level four. And then the question is, do you take the the general after that, the 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 hold the line guy? What is he called? Uh, general Commander. of the empire. Commander. Gen- no, general, or general of the empire. Of the empire. Yeah. Do you take a general, or do you take an archlector? And that seems to be the other choice. Well, and, the archlector used to be a one plus. Used to be. Used to be. And uh, oh, crank, you 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 missed it. Cranky actually said he says he thinks that the people who are complaining about this book are a bunch of whiners. He was very vocal in his opinions. He was a fun guest to have. When on. has he not been very vocal <laughs> about his opinions? <laughs> but um, and I mean, I, I kind of I'm, I'm not going to say people are being whiners, but I will say this: they lost all their one pluses. They did. People, oh, the war altar is with the arch lector is not is is not something that's that uh, is a one plus. This well, there were some aspects of, you know how the, in the VC book, there were a few things, a few small things that unfortunately needed a nerf, flat-out nerf. Heck, we needed not only got a nerf, they took them away. In fact, my yeah. three, I had three one-pluses yeah. by the end of it, which was the regen banner, the weapon skill hat, and blood drinker. But it makes it more and fun. they're all gone. It makes it more fun for the opponents, and frankly, in the, old, in the end, it makes it more fun for the VC players. Same thing had to happen for this book. I like the fact that the one... every It seems that every book comes out, your one plus is gone. And I know you can have your conspiracy theories of they're going to... The stuff that nobody's buying, they're going to make better, so you buy it. And the stuff that everybody has, they're going to make worse. 
Uh, yeah, they've they've done that before. I'm not going to deny it, but and at I the same time... And I don't blame them either. Their job this, is selling models, whatever. But this particular trend is a good one. They're making armies that are more balanced and, frankly, more fun to play on both sides of the table. Yeah. I mean, there are still reasons to take a war altar if you want to take one with him. Is it nearly as good as the old one? No, because it doesn't give... It's, it's not a one-plus. The Pope Mobile is no longer a one-plus. Right. Well, I mean, it used to give him... Uh, you, you, your arch selector would be on it, and he, uh, or you'd put a wizard or something on. They would, you know, you can get people who they would have. Uh, was it lore master? Right. Or you could. They would get the four of ward save that the war altar had. Well, what did we see recently? We saw a twenty-two hundred point game where somebody had lore master of the lore of light and also a level four of shadow. For that's in a twenty-two hundred point game. Yep. That's and it. on the war altar, that lore master of light got the four-up ward save that the altar had. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give the ward save to the rider anymore, which... Are you sure? No, I'm, I'm dead sure. A chariot follows all the rules for ridden monsters. We assume the special rules that apply to a ridden monster do not normally apply to the character riding it, and vice versa, with the exception that apply to cavalry models. I, I stand corrected. Thank you. But so it's taken it's it's taken some serious uh, a serious nerf. I, I still think it's good. I don't think you're going to see it nearly as often because the war altar probably not as much. No, nope. probably not as much. But arch lector on foot maybe, or at least uh, warrior priests. I think you're going to see them. I think you will too. I think you'll see them. Well, one of the combinations that I think is so appealing is taking one of these warrior priests or two of these warrior priests, however many, to um, to kind of eke out the dispel dice. With your bounce spells, yes, and if you can actually get them to fall for the trap, that's when you kaboom with something larger with a real spell. Yeah. Now let's. Let, you want to go through these real quick? I think this is great. Oh yeah, warrior absolutely. priests. Now the arch selector is just a. I mean, is, I mean, he's just a better warrior priest, right? He doesn't have any special rules of his own, does he? Not that I can see off the top of my head. Although he's probably going to be able to buy 100 points worth of magic items, right? I mean, but I'm saying if we missed something, we missed something. Uh, but better leadership. But it More used, wounds. Right, but I'm saying it used to be that he he could do two prayers to Sigmar and they could only do one or something like this. Right. Now the, it's, the other thing is the Arch Selector has the option of taking the War Altar while the Warrior Priest does not. Okay, but so now they all have the same set of three battle prayers they can choose from. Mm-hmm. They're augments. Um, one is reroll fail to wound rolls. One is a five-up ward save um, for close combat. And the other one is flaming attacks. Uh, in addition, when cast, all enemy models in base contact suffer a strength four hit. Undead, Nehekar, and undead, and models with demonic special rule suffer a strength five hit instead with no armor save. Should be mentioned that when you cast this on a regimental, uh, detachments within three also get it. Yeah. So, so suddenly, and it's it now it's a bound spell power level three, and because it's a bound spell, there is no adding a wizard level. Correct. So your level four, yeah, your level four can throw one die to get rid of it. But here's the thing. If you've got a couple of these warrior priests, you've got two or three of them, okay, and he throws, even if you only want to throw one die at it, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to throw one die. It's not going to work. He can't cast any more magic, okay? If it does work, your opponent is going to have to throw a minimum of one die at it, no matter what his level is. And if he throws a one or a two on that, he's done dispelling. So you might just force your opponent to throw two dice at one of your crappy bounce. Well, they're not crappy, but your warrior piece throws a, a bounce spell, and it's like, i got to let that go unless I want to throw two dice because you really want to risk a one-third chance. Now, he's not a wizard, but he channels like a wizard. Right. 
So with an innate bound spell, if you fail, can you cast another one? Since you're not a wizard, you, you, you haven't broken concentration. So it seems to me that you are you are the source of the bound spell, but failing one bound spell doesn't mean that you've broken concentration like a wizard. The rule doesn't apply to you. I think you should be able to cast all three, right? You're right. They're not wizards. They don't have a wizard level. I didn't think about that. So I can chuck one die at it, and if it fails, I could try the other one, can't I? I think so. I, I think. I, I mean, I think you're right. I don't. I can't think of a reason why you couldn't. No, it says actually right here I found it. Um, on the other hand, failing to cast a bound spell does not break a wizard's concentration, as using an item that contains a bound spell normally would not require anything more complex than uttering a single word of, out of activation. So these guys can cast all three every turn. Zap, zap, zap. If you're willing to throw a die at each one. So even if you only have one battle wizard, you can throw one die and say, if this works, it's great, and it's boosting my unit. And if not, you're going to be throwing one or two dice. Because the last thing you want is your level four. When you're starting with these, to throw a single die, hit a one or a two, and even though he's gotten a higher number than you, he's got broken concentration. Mm -hmm. So all of these bound spells are really traps for your enemy wizards. Yeah, because if I throw one die and I fail, big deal. You throw one die and you fail, your level four isn't dispelling anymore. So I think... <laughs> these these bounce spells are good. They're useful. They're very useful. But really, they work best in conjunction with a true lore. And by a true lore, I mean one of the eight that you can yeah. choose from. Because it's the threat of that above your head. Like, for example, Shadow or Life, which I think are the two best lores to use with this particular yeah. army. In my opinion, it might, I would be afraid of any unit in this army with, like, Mind Razor, for example. Yeah, so I I like them. Um, one of the things we haven't really talked about is the points values for these guys, whether they've gone up or down from the last book. And quite frankly, I'm I'm not gonna. I personally, especially with the character, I don't. I'm not that worried about it. I mean, I didn't. I don't. I didn't play that many Empire people. So well, without without getting to the exact numbers, you're still able to afford multiples of uh, of characters in the way that right. other armies can't. You can take two lords and like three or four heroes. And still have enough to buy a fairly large army. Yeah. The old book no longer exists, so the new points values are what they are. That's a bit 1984 for my taste. But um, <laughs> we've always been at war with Eurasia. What? <laughs> the army's changed. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... You know, long live the new empire, so... Yep, but I think the warrior priests and the arch electors, even though you're, you're far more dependent on getting a good roll of the winds of magic than you were before this book came out because of all the free dice mm -hmm. and the fact that you could just say a prayer and it wasn't a bound spell. It just worked. But now it's got a very different purpose. And plus, they're really good. I mean, actually, re-rolling you know, re to wound rolls and getting... Especially when you consider, by definition, you have hatred now. We, yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that. The warrior priests and arch lectors give hatred. So the part of the reason that you're probably going to take a level 4 is because you want that lore. But you have to choose between the captain or the general and this guy because one is going to give you uh, leadership-based uh, resistance to being broken, you know, with right. your hold the line. This guy's going to give you hatred. And then you get the bounce spell off that lets you re-roll to wound. So, so in the first round, you're re-rolling to hit. Uh, speaking as a Dark Elf player, let me tell you, it's really nice, even when you're only strength 3, when you hit with everything a million times, 
you're going to get a few wounds through, and it sounds like that's the way the Empire is going to go, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's only strength three, but look, we hit you 20 times and, successfully. Yeah. And even if you're going against toughness four, oh, I only rolled five. So I'm going to re-roll all these two wound rolls mm-hmm. and get some more. So suddenly it's going to matter a lot more. Uh, I mean, they can be brutal. Yeah, you can actually cause wounds. You could conceivably get away with, with I mean, without a wizard if you really wanted to. In theory, I think though. Again, I think that you can you can get away with it, but I think the strength of these warrior priests is only exaggerated, is only improved upon by the threat of the you know a level six spell from a right. Lord. But you could even get away with a level three wizard. Sure, actually, sure. As long as, you, as long as you have a spell that works that scares your opponent. Yeah, because then that means you're going to get all these bound spells for free. Because I'm too afraid to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let those through. I gotta hold these dice for that. Yeah, or the person rolls like a nine for the winds of magic and goes, okay, well, the one, the two, the three, those are all going to go through. And then it throws six dice and unstoppable. Don't you feel stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, both the Arch Lector and the Warrior Priests, I think, um, are still really viable options um, for for this army. And they've, but they've got a whole very useful options, a completely new purpose, though. I mean, this this book is not just different and rewritten. They're going to help you spam channeling. They're going to help you exaggerate the fearfulness of an Empire Magic phase. They right. have their own feel now, which yeah. is, we're going to nickel and dime you, and you either don't let it through, and then we hit you with something big, or vice versa. But either way, something irritating is going to happen. It's, it's funny. It's like, you know, you talk about how they're men, they have all the average stats and average this, average that, and you throw up these warrior priests who have this weird average thing that they can... It's Because it is. It's a bound level three. It's nothing that people go, oh, my God, you have a bound level three. He gets. You know, but it, they, here they use it, and they just keep using it, and they keep using their average, and eventually you just, <laughs> you got nothing against it. It feels a little bit, it feels a little bit like the old 7th uh, edition. Sorry. No, I hit my own microphone with my headphones. Oh, oh. Just scraped it. Ouch. But it feels a little bit like the old 7th edition vampire counts. It's just one too many. Oh I yeah! Can't stop it all! Yeah, that stupid spam casting. They can, because that's what they're doing. If they're innate bounce spells, they can spam cat. Here comes your extra spam. Yep, there it is. Oh, that's just fantastic. Now the Grandmaster only goes. He's the next. He's the last Lord level character, and he goes only with the uh, the knightly orders. Right now, this is the only Imperial uh, Lord with the four attacks. Right, three wounds, four attacks. This is the fighter of the group. Kind of reminds me of a uh, Bretonian Lord, because frankly, that's more or less what he is. Yeah. Um, he's actually the most expensive of the Lords, besides the Battle Wizard, um, as far as base points go. Uh, you know, full plate, hand weapon, barded warhorse. He's immune to psych. He's got this rule master of battle. Uh, if a Grandmaster joins a unit of knightly orders or demigriffs, they get immune to psychology. If he leaves it or is slain, they lose it. So he's immune to psychology, mm-hmm. and then the master of battle means once if once he joins the unit, they get it as well. That's right. That's basically all it is. So if you wanted a grant, so it seems like the th- part of the theme of these imperial characters, these imperial lords, is with the exception of the wizard, all of them impart some sort of psychology, beneficial psychology to your unit. Yep. If you want it to be for your cavalry and you want to do a lot of fighting, you choose this guy. Captain's and- there to hold the line. Warrior Priest is there to muck up the magic phase and make everybody fight a little better. Now, even if I give this guy a lance and a shield, he comes out to 166. It's not that expensive. 
No, well, that actually makes him just one point more than a wizard, but he can still take 100 points worth of magic items, too. Mm-hmm. So this guy could conceivably be a really expensive character. He is leadership nine. I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is the Billy Badass of the group. I yeah. mean, if you actually want to have an Imperial guy who can fight, this is the one you choose. And if you decide to go with an all-cav army, this guy could totally be your general. Easily. Well, yeah, he is the general at that point. Did yeah. you have a, a knightly order army? Yeah. I mean, you could put a general on a horse, to general of the empire on a horse as well, and you pick which one is your general, but because they're both leadership nine. Yep. If you can't wait for the Bretonian book to come out, this is a fine option. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, not to sour grapes it up too much, but they have a better armor save than Pretz. Four. They've got, yeah. a, they've got a one plus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they don't. They, they do have barding, and they suffer the movement penalties. But as we get into the magic items, you can see that there is one way around that. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's no see. ward save though. Oh well. Ah hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so with the hundred points of magic items, you may have to buy him one. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of sour grapes. Let's go. Let's go, G-Dub. How about some Bretonian love? Uh, I, I keep. I hate to say it. Just, they don't look like they're on the schedule. I know. I know. I'm not even holding my breath because if I did, I'd be turning blue. We're looking at a year and a half before them or the Wood Elves look like they're anywhere near mm-hmm. the schedule. That's lame. But well, I'm going to stop complaining. Well, they're going to surprise us with something spectacular. Well, you know what? And it's funny because each of us, of the two armies that everyone's saying, come on, we each have one. Well, yeah, well, between the two of us, you <clears throat> have them all. Well, no, I don't have Brett's, but you have the Brett's and yeah. I have the Wood Elves. I only have 10. I don't have all 16. You're going to get Empire. Morgan's going to get Empire eventually. That means you are not. <laughs> of course, that means me. Who's, but she wants to learn how to paint and stuff. And I'm going to say, you know, I think this book did a great job in getting me to want to buy this army. Because I'm going to tell you right now. Before this book came out, I had no desire to start an Empire army. I really don't. Well, to someone who doesn't play Warhammer, the human armies generally, okay, is that the generic one? That's just sort of the middle of the road. Now they have they have an absolute character. I mean, yeah. they are their own entity. They always did, but you just had to look for it. And now it's just screaming off the pages. Yeah. I mean, and even, but even, I mean, just some of the, and I think the things that always get me is if, because, uh, like, I know everyone opens right to the rules. I open up to the models, the painted models, mm-hmm. and whether or not you like the Demi Graves or the Loom, I just look at this stuff, and it's so nicely painted. And even just the state troops with all the varying colors and the very, it's like, wow, I could pick a city just somewhere in the Empire that I read in some story or pick a place, pick my colors, make my whole background, you know? It's, yep. And it's, wow, it could be really something... No, you, there's a lot of character. I mean, they really fleshed out the Empire, so you can... There, there's so many ways to express yourself with this army. I was excited. Yeah. All right, so let's flip over to heroes. All right. Now, which one is the first in there? The I'm, Captain. Captain, okay. So that's the same guy as the general, except in this case he's a little less. I think you'll see plenty of use for this guy. He's leadership eight and two wounds, and I think that's the only stat difference. Yeah. I, he's, he's, you're not buying him. You're never... Well, you're rarely going to buy this guy for any reason other than one of two things. One... BSB. Exactly. And the other one is hold the line. Yeah. I mean, that's why. You you take this guy because he makes your unit less likely to break. And the thing is, at 60 points, uh, if you want to give him full plaint, he suddenly is 66 points. Mm-hmm. And he's got a hand weapon. Oh, let's give him a shield, too. So 68 points. And now he's got a, what, a three-plus armor save? Yeah. And you could 
spam out a couple of these into the units you really don't want to break and run. For 65 points, it's affordable. Yeah. I mean, your hero slots, this, you know, what are you going to have in there? This is one of your great choices. Yeah. I, I have a unit. I don't want them to break. I'm putting him in it. There you go. Perfect. And my little detachments and stuff, now they get it too. And uh, they're running off of his leadership because you take the highest leadership in your unit. And do they get his leadership? Uh, with, which one? The detachments? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get the leadership of the regiment. They're gonna get the psychologi- psychological bonuses like hold the line. <laughs> so, an, an empire army in my mind is surprisingly frustrating to break. It can be now because I mean, you're gonna grit. see things like flagellants. You're gonna see th- which don't mm-hmm. break. You're gonna see great swords which are stubborn. Right, and then you're gonna see hold the line. Now, yeah, exactly. And your cavalry is gonna have uh, immune to psychology. Yeah, this is. Uh I mean, now granted, you could wind up. Now, you might have eight or nine characters in the army if you do it that way. Possibly, but you could start spending just as much as as you or I spend with our dwar with our cast dwarves and uh, VC mm-hmm. on characters. I mean, I'll on a. But at the same time, I'm coming away with only three characters. Exactly, I have three, and there. I mean, I'm not there. I mean, a level four. And two vampires is nothing to sneeze at. Vampires, even the hero level, are pretty badass. No, but when it comes to sheer wound count, yeah, these, they've got to chew through three wounds for my guy, and I've got to chew through nine wounds over there. Exactly. I mean, just all these different characters, all doing different things. You could totally set them up. Okay, this guy's doing this, and th- 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 you can tailor this army in so many ways. Empire has a lot of overlocking bonuses that really help each other out. Yeah, in fact, it's so funny because at first glance I thought, okay, yeah, they did take some hits. Maybe they're not that great. Uh, obviously, I don't. I mean, I still don't necessarily think that they're like top tier. I don't think suddenly you're going to see Empire just smashing through everybody's armies. But the more we've looked at this over the last week, and the more we've discussed it, and then having to stop on Saturday after we started, well, wait, let's look back at this last couple of days. I'm looking at it. This is a much better army than I gave it credit for when I bought the book a week ago. I don't think it's a bad army at all. <laughs> I don't. I've heard some arguments against it, and I personally don't agree. I think that this is a good army. I yeah. think that they're right in the middle of the pack, and that's where they deserve to be. But they're going to have some very strong abilities. But if everyone, as 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 more and more people move towards this middle of the pack, I mean, if you go from, I mean, if if your armies wind up being in more of a three tier system that is much more close, you know, almost like a blood bowl, that tight three tiers. As opposed to this wide-ranging 15 armies. Well, that's where we're at. That, yeah, we're that's, getting to it. And that's the new are... Warhammer. What it means is if we're all pretty close and there's and you have to nitpick to find major differences between like power levels, then likely it boils down to, and this is a credit to GW, the skill of the player. Yep. And that's a fine thing. That's a great situation exactly. to find yourself in. So the captain, again, the, the main reason to take that guy is for the two reasons. You know, his leadership is good, yep. uh, but really it's going to be for the... Um, BSB or for the whole the line. line. Exactly. And, and the thing is, how many, you know, um, if you are taking a lot of characters, you obviously, by necessity, will have less units. Um, you're going to add some detachments to them, making them all a little more expensive. So you could conceivably go away with three or four major units, and once you put your general in one, your BSB somewhere, you're only going to need one or two of these guys for hold the line to really cement your line. It's possible. And it's... Honestly, and with the hold the line... Well, you've got a few units that don't need any help. Your great swords, you're probably going to take them. Or yeah. At least oh, I recommend well, yeah. it. I think they're great. We'll get to them. But they're, mm-hmm. they're stubborn. And your flagellants, which are also fantastic, they're unbreakable. They don't need any help. 
well, they they all can use help, but they don't right. need any psychological help. They're, they're going to stand put. Withhold the line. What I was thinking is, I, you're often you often see your general and your BSB in the same unit. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they get the same sort of radius. Your general is giving his leadership there. You could put the general and the BSB in two separate units in this very easily, giving out hold the line to both units. That is true. And the general's going to give his 12-inch bubble, but the hold the line is going to be in both. Yeah. So, I mean, you yeah, could... that's that's the nice thing about the re-roll mechanic is you could cover up for just a bad roll. And when you have hold the line, cold-blooded generally means that you've got a built-in re-roll mechanic by throwing three dice and throwing away the big one. It's almost like a built-in re-roll right there. Right. I'm just saying that putting them both in the same unit almost wastes that hold the line. You almost want to move them into two separate units now. I agree. I mean, there are times when you want the extra protection yeah but at just, the same time you yeah. can you can spread your your protection a little thinner and it still covers uh, everybody spread that protection oh uh oh <laughs> i guess we're talking about cannons next then oh <laughs> oh goodness okay so uh battle wizard is a well he's a level one or level two yeah same, you pretty much know exactly what he is same old same old the, the key element here is that empire and, wizards don't fight or at least not well. Nope. But but what, what most wizards don't. They got pretty much a straight three on the stats. Yeah. Uh, two wounds, one attack. 65 points with a 35-point upgrade to a level two. I, same as a necromancer. I, same as most. I can't tell you how envious I am of this. All of my wizards are expensive. Well, the whole Chaos Dwarf Army is an elite expensive army. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. yeah. You need to find an army that's not a super elite army. You've got... Your, well, uh, Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings, true. But you don't have them built. You've got your choices right now become mostly Royal Britonia. I can afford more than one lord. The Bretts, but you got your Bretts and your cast dwarves, which are pretty. They're not cheap armies. No, no, no. no. So you're gonna have true. to get yourself a chaffy army. Chaffy. Maybe, chaffy. I'll, maybe I'll go green skin afterwards. Anyway. Yeah. You, you, you got to. <laughs> I will help you sculpt the top hats and monocles. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> it's Tim and the fisticuffs. We've had it up to here with your shenanigans. <laughs> we shall wag. Him. Yeah. That's right. Since lots it's not wag, it's lots wah. Of, lots of but white gloves and will... dueling pistols. I know it's pronounced wah, but there's a G-H. I shall not let that pass. You are making me huffy, sir. <laughs> you try my patience. Oh, goodness. Hey. All right. All right. Uh, warrior priests, well, we kind of talked about them we because they're them, the, yeah. the arch lector. And again, yeah, that's the other question is do you want to take the, the, the captain or do you want to take hatred? Which one will serve you better? Yeah. And once and they've got all the same stuff as the arch lector. Interesting thing about the captain versus the general is that they both have three attacks. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason to take that captain. You know, the leadership is very nice, especially with hold the line. It makes a big difference. They're not going anywhere, but the captain's just a good, just as good at fighting. Yeah. So uh, Now, the warrior priests are the same as the battle wizard in cost. They're 65 again. They only have two attacks, though. So they're actually not as good at fighting themselves, but they, me- they make the unit they're in tremendous at fighting. Right. But I'm just saying, between the warrior priest and the battle wizard, once again, you've got to make that choice. Do I want to cast a regular lore, or do I want to throw in a warrior priest? Because they're both 65 points. They're both the cost of basic cost of a level 1 wizard, except your warrior priest has straight 4s on his stats instead of 3s and the extra attack and well, the wizards, extra leadership. Wizards are straight up 
how do I put this? I mean, you know exactly what they're going to be capable of. Right? Yes. If you, you I mean, know, they're, they're not there to fight at all, but your warrior well, priest, I mean. But they're, they're, they're your artillery, they're your augments, whereas I think your warrior priest is more of a support unit. They're there to set, It's that's the one-two punch before the knockout that a wizard potentially is. Yep. If you know what I mean. Or I'm even just, if you don't know what I mean. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know what I mean. I see. All right, so actually I'm looking between the warrior priest and the arch lector. Obviously they've got the stats difference. And their heavy armor and shield cost four points, whereas the warrior priest only cost two. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they can't take a war altar, but just, I mean, all their options are the same. My opinion is you're not going to see very many arch lectors, especially if you're not going to be seeing that many war priests or war altars anymore. But then that opens you up to being able to take those generals and wizards. Right. Which, you know, I've got... I got I mean, I didn't even play against the Empire that much, but I even got tired of hearing it. Every battle report is the Arch Lector on the War Altar with Van Horseman's Speculum, which they got to keep. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're you know... Yeah, Van Horseman's is still there. How many points is that? I don't remember. I mean, uh, if that's seven. More than, huh? Oh, seven. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. They made it, it got, Where is there? Uh, it is 40 points, so you can still give it... To a uh, hero level. Yep. What page is the is there stuff on? Seven. <laughs> Sixty-three. Oh, Jack Holery ensues. I see. This is the game we're playing. <laughs> oh, there they are. Heirlooms of magic. Yes. A so. Game of holes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the great new HBO special. Speaking of which, it sounds I'm more like a Skinamax special yeah, to me. Yeah, there you go. You know what? It sounds like one of those bad. Uh, Cinemax uh, parodies like the the Divin. No, I'm not even going to name some. You of them, probably shouldn't. The the parodies of fa- popular music game of holes. That's so bad. <laughs> you hear that, Hastings? Start making your script now for your for your version of. Of course, if you've watched a Game of Thrones, it's not that much of a step. There's, Maybe I need to start watching this program immediately. Oh, you will enjoy it okay. immensely. Uh, okay, master engineer, not that kind of master engineer. That's the sound of my eyes rolling right at you. <laughs> clank, clank. I don't know why you hate that guy so much. Because he's well, stupid. He's, wow, that's so rude. He's, he's a dwarf. He's a exactly. cranky old dwarf. Done. You play them. No, I play chaos dwarfs. They're a different race. Thank you. They're, okay, they're cranky old evil dwarfs. We're not cranky. We're delightful. <laughs> We're spectacular. We're fabulous. Oh, my God. All right, master engineer. That's what makes him evil. Okay, uh, oh, so here we go. Look, Jeez, okay. So here, the captain is 60 points. The Battle Wizard, the Warrior Priest, and the Master Ranger are all 65 points. Right. It should be pointed out, though, um, Chaos Dwarf and Dwarven Engineers, so mm-hmm. to speak. We have the Demon Smith, you have Engineers. Right. They do exactly what you think they do, which is they hang around with War Machines, and if something goes wrong once per turn, they can affect one of them. This guy's not as good anymore. He's been altered. Now, uh, but you know what? I honestly think we're go- you're going to see... Some of those changes come out when you see the dwarf pull. Oh, I, I bet you! I bet you you're wrong. I think that the thing is, the dwarves are supposed to be good at this, and chaos dwarves too. But dwarves, I mean, they're the masters of this sort of thing, you know. So, wait, what change are we talking about? Let's let's go over specifically. This first. It's called master of ballistics. Now, you can you can grant ballistic skill to something, or you can alter one of the artillery dice. Right. But you have to call it out before you even roll. You have to say, okay, if. Something goes wrong. If you're standing in between two at the equidistant. Right. You have to choose one. Before you do anything, you Bef- have to pick if, which one you're going you roll, to help. If you ro- yeah, if you roll that cannon's artillery, it's too late. Well, and here's the thing. 
you have to pick the one you're going to help. Not right. only do you have to pick the one you're going to help, but you have to give up your shooting phase if you have a gun that to one help. Th- that one the cast dwarves have to do, too. I don't know if the dwarves do. But what I'm saying is with the dwarves, I roll those artillery, big artillery pieces first, obviously. If I don't need it... Then you can shoot. Then I can shoot. With these guys, they have to call it out in the beginning, and as soon as you call it out, your shooting phase is gone. Right. Well, the, the, the Demon Smith is the same thing. I can take a pistol or a, a hell glaive, I think it's called, or the fire glaive. But, yeah, if I don't have to use them, then I can shoot. Now, can you sit between them? There's no special rule saying you have to call it out. Maybe they won't do it for the dwarves if they didn't do it for cast dwarves. I expect that the dwarves and cast dwarves will have the freedom to act in the way they wish that this guy does not have because he's only human after all. Oh, and, well, I guess just as their wizards have to pick a lore, and they, you know, I'm saying, and they can only learn a single lore, they can't, under, like the elves can, you know, mm-hmm. then the master engineer is, he's, he understands all of them, but he's, you know. Well, every turn he's going to dedicate, he can only be in one place at a time. He's not yeah. the Kwisatz Haderach, Dave. <laughs> Put your hand in the box. What's in the box? Donuts. I mean, pain, pain, pain. pain. So th- one of the nice things about the Master Engineer, though, is that he gets the same thing as in Tamarcon. I don't know if your dwarves have it, but the cast dwarves, we get a lookout, sir, if we're within a uh, radius of War Machines. Yes, I think we do, too. Okay. I think we do. I, don't, I honestly don't. I haven't played my dwarves in that long. You, it's time to practice. But Master Master Engineer gets it. They just call it Stand Back, sir, instead of Lookout, sir. Right. Uh, they count. War Machines Stand count. Behind as, the machines, sir. Stand back. <laughs> so if it if he gets hit... It means that potentially the war machine gets hit instead. So if it's like bow fire, great. You hit that strength or toughness seven thing instead. Exactly. Nice so it makes it hard to pick him out. Uh, he can take pigeon bombs. Yes, but if you're can. doing that, that's a shooting attack. So then he's not protecting it, which is one of the things me and Cranky discussed. If you're giving him pigeon bombs, he's n- you're not leaving him back behind by your war machines, probably. You're sticking him in a unit, moving him forward, getting him yes. within 24 inches. But it, again, if you do that, you're also not marching. You can't shoot if you march. People are going to practice lots of artillery. You're going to see this guy all over the place. Yeah, you'll probably see him. I mean, if you got four, I mean, you can't put, at 65 points, you can't necessarily afford to put one with every war machine. No. Which would be optimal. It would be optimal, but it's not practical. Because if you can't defend the war machines, that's a lot of extra points you're losing, too. Yeah, if you're going to, I mean, at, at best, you'll see one in between every two. Um, if he's up on a hill, you might even be able to put three in a triangle around him. Yeah, my guess is you'll probably see him between two. Yeah, I think three is too much. Even with a, even with a, what is it called, the Demon Smith, my guy, where I can just pick and choose between. I'll just wait for something to misfire and then reroll that. Three is too much. Three is too much. You could triangulate. You could put him in the middle. Put one three inches to the left, three inches to the right, and three inches forward. Oh, of him. sure, sure. You, I mean, you could. Once we get to the Hellblaster volley gun, uh, it has some new. I think it has potential new life, and thanks to this guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So uh, who's left? Oh, the new character, the Witch Hunter. This is a fun character. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So you get to pick somebody out, and that's called the accusation rule? Yeah. Well, here, let, let's run his stats, and then we'll give all his awesome abilities. Do it, do it to it. Two wounds, two attacks, eight leadership, four for everything else. Mm-hmm. He's 50 points. He comes Now, he has a hand weapon, a pistol, and light armor. You can give him a great weapon. You can give him a brace of pistols, but he's only got light armor. And you can't even give him a shield, which means he's only ever going to have a six-up armor save. Or he could have a parry. No, not even a parry save. He's got no damn shield. So 
He's going to be a little harder to work than you want him to be because he's really not that tough. What makes him a potential threat is that he's going to be able to shoot at the guy he accuses. Yeah. Well, well, so, he, can have, he can have 50 points of items, too, so you could you know, give him a save. Although I would just stick him in a bunker and not worry about the people aren't going to get to pick him out, hopefully, because mm-hmm. not too many people have sniper. Just put him in a bunker and, and move him forward with that and get him in range. Magic resistance, two... And here, yeah, accusation. Go ahead. You want to read accusation off? It says, after deployment, but before your first turn begins, select a single model in your opponent's army to accuse of heresy. This is the Witch Hunter's primary quarry. Witch Hunter may re-roll all failed-to-hit rolls against his primary quarry. Every hit he inflicts on that model also have the Killing Blow special rule, even if they were from a shooting attack. And finally, the Witch Hunter may also choose to shoot at the primary quarry as if he had the Sniper special rule. So he can pick on people from far away. Now, chances are he's going to have a pistol. So the first time you're going to see that being a threat is likely 12 inches away. It also implies that the unit he's in isn't marching. Otherwise, he can't shoot. Right. So you do have to think carefully. He's not going to be much of a threat till you get close. But it's that it's that potential threat that, uh, for 50 points, I actually got to worry about this guy a little bit. Because he's going to have killing blow. There's always yeah. that, well, you know, for 50 points, he could get that one in six and take out my 300-point guy. And you're going to get that unit, and you're going to try to get that unit into the unit that you accused. You're going to try to get the unit in because at close combat, he's going to have killing blow in close combat. Um, I mean, granted, once again, he's only got that six up save, so he's it, a threat it, to wizards. Yeah, he can he can beat up a wizard. He only has two attacks, but wizards generally, especially human ones, are only toughness three, maybe toughness four. Mm-hmm. This guy can be a threat to them. So yeah, now I do like uh, he also has grim resolve. Which means he passes all leadership tests caused by fear. Even if the unit fails and they're hitting at weapon skill one, he's not. Yep. Uh, he treats terror causing creatures as causing fear. That's interesting. So, in other words, if it causes terror, he will have to take a fear test. Now, they don't automatically pass that leadership test, though. So, they don't. if it's got terror... He's got to actually take a fear test that he doesn't automatically Correct. pass. But the unit he's in and he will never have to take a, per- a terror test, meaning the creature is charging them. They may flee. He will never suffer from that. Right. So he's very good on a flank. Yeah. Um, I, and I like the fact with, with a lot of fear-causing armies, just the fact that he's not, you know, this is a guy you're going to bring in. It's like, oh, well, my guy causes fear. My guy causes... Nah, I, don't, I don't care. He's, 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 he faces down chaos as a job. So he's not, you know, he's um, he does, he's not going to be uh, afraid. Now, when attacking wizards, undead, Nehekaran undead, or demonic, he rerolls failed rolls to wound. Bear in mind that if he's going against his quarry, that's where you get to test for the uh, killing blow. So you get potentially twice as many chances to actually just whack the guy. <laughs> it's, it's I I like him. It's razzle dazzle, and you're not going to be able to. Get his points worth all the time for him, but the fact is, it's just a nice little niggling threat. It's just oh, I got to deal this with this. This is a guy punk. that I could not resist to taking a pair of them and picking the same character, and just sure have for, them go after him. You, you spend a hundred points to guarantee that a three or four hundred point guy dies. That's worth it. Yeah, because now, yeah, that because now you got to you, you're just going to go after. You're going to take the unit that you bunker him in, be it whatever it is, and you're going to go after this unit, and that's. That's the whole point is going after this unit. I think the downside of this guy is that you're not always going to get your points out of him. He's going to die ingloriously as often as not. You know, and you're afraid to commit too many points to protect him. 
Right. With as many Empire characters as you have access to, there are only so many ward saves to go around in the BRB. Right. You know what I mean? Well, Which means that some of your guys are just not going to be protected. Yeah, but you're just going to... I mean, I, I can see myself... And this, of course, this is not optimal. This is me having fun. Oh, agreed. I'm I, putting him in a unit with, like, handgunners. And I'm paying that nine points for the handgunner. Letting them all... So everybody's shooting. You're already trying to get them up. You're moving. You're going to... You know, I know it's move or shoot. Or even with the crossbows, get in move shoot. If someone's going to shoot, you're going to stand and shoot reaction... Your stand and shoot reaction is going to put those guys at short range, by the way, because you got a twelve inch range, right? Um, and you're going to try to and and the the, fu- the best part about it is nobody is going to you're going to be able to move, shoot, do what you want to do. No one's going to charge. I'm, I'm coming after your unit with your wizard in it, and I'm up close. You're not going to charge me, you know, and give me a chance to sniper you. Out of curiosity, can this guy be mounted? <laughs> no, he cannot. He can't take much of anything. He can... Uh, I mean, can he mount something? No. That'd be mounted. I wouldn't want to mount him. No. That would be so weird. Hand weapon, pistol, and light armor. He's got his special rules, and then you can give him a brace of pistols, a great weapon, or magic items. That's oh. it. And I suppose we should mention he has MR2. Oh, that's right. Magic too. Well, yeah, he's a witch hunter. And so when I'm targeting your wizard, and your wizard's like, well, I'll just... No. No, mm-hmm. actually, you're not going to. i got a five-up ward against that. It's just... It's... <laughs> I wouldn't call him. He, he's, he's competing he for a slot. Absolutely with a, killable. Yeah, he's killable, and he's competing for a slot with other things in the army, especially when you're thinking tournament time and you have to start to trim the fat. I think that this guy's the first to go. But for our fun games, this is the first guy I want to put in. This is yeah, yeah. This is a guy that I would definitely want to play with, and it just seems like fun. It's another one of those things that is a bit of a gimmick. This is the story. This is the holy crap! My witch hunter snipered out Teclas, or my witch hunter snipered out. But the fact this that you can wizard. do it means that you might actually just might get your opponent to play slightly differently out of fear. Yeah, because you know what they're going to do. This unit, I just put him in a unit of say fifteen. One guy, he's 50-some-odd points. I put him in with 15 handgunners, so that's another 140. So I got a 200-point unit here. This 200-point unit is drawing all sorts of fire from everything to get rid of it because you don't want me sniping out your wizard. It's another thing that's going to draw attacks away from my other stuff. Well, I think that's part of the charm of the Empire Army is that you have so much of this. My battle wizard's drawn out your dice. This guy's drawing away your other shooting and stuff because you don't want him there. There's lots of... Empire's rife with everyday heroes that are just a threat. I like that. Good, well put. Everyday heroes. Because that's what you've got. You've got a lot of basic guys, and it's like, well, yeah, but this, that, and the other are going to come in here and make it something special. Mm -hmm. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a break. Sounds good. And uh, we'll come back with cores and specials. Yeah, sounds great. Is your name a killing word? Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Heroclix. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the Jerk Store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. 
two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> 